3: Welcome to Money-Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For some, it's a sizable paycheck. Mine is helping people wake up and inspiring them to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. These are my passions, and that's what I'm going to do for you. I want you to stop tripping over small challenges and prepare to rise above the bigger obstacles that life will present to you. That's what my guests do on this show. They bring these nuggets of information that will motivate you. Take those nuggets from these interviews and use them, apply them to your life and keep My next guest is a true winner, longtime friend, Dr. Ian Smith, who is the author of many number one New York Times bestselling books, Shred, The Revolutionary Diet, Super Shred, The Big Results Diet, Blast the Sugar Out, The Clean 20, The Ancient Nine, Clean and Lean, and 11 other books with millions of copies in print. His newest book, The Unspoken, that's by Ian K. Smith. The first installment of his Ask K Mystery series will be released on October 1st, but you can buy it right now. He is currently the solo host. This is the big news, the big news. He is currently the solo host of the nationally syndicated Emmy Award winning television show The Doctors. He's going to be on stage by himself as a longtime medical contributor to an Emmy Award winning show. He's been on the Rachel Ray show many times recently. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Dr. Ian Smith. Wow.
1: Hey, Rashawn. Thank you, man. That's a, that's quite an introduction. I was trying to figure <laughs> out who you were talking about.
3: <laughs> hey, man. Well, you have a career. I didn't even go all the way back to the Ginny Jones days, from Jenny Jones days, man, when I first saw you a little skinny behind on TV. <laughs> smiling and looking alert. No, man. Uh, I, you know, I, we've always crossed paths on TV. I remember in New York when, uh, when Steve and I, Steve Harvey and I was up there in 2005. We crossed paths back then and then mm. we came on the television show and we've always stayed in touch and if you had mm-hmm. projects, uh, the, the big uh, State Farm project, uh, yeah pound loss, that's, that's when we really reconnected really seriously, yeah. really created our relationship. But it's always been about uh, encouraging people to, to do better, to be better. Yeah. Talk yeah. about that as part. Why is that such a strong mantra in your life, Dr. Ian Smith?
1: Well, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to become a physician so many years ago was because as a young boy, I was really, um, impressed and inspired by my own pediatrician. And I felt like my own pediatrician really was trying to help me and make me a better person and keep me healthy and give me a great opportunity to maximize what I could in life. And that really, that really kind of um, gave me the seed to wanna help people and to empower people. I just thought it was so powerful that here was a guy who had the ability uh, to really empower me and change my life. And so I really wanted to do that in my career. And you know, I've chosen different ways to do that because listen, let's think about this. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how famous you are, how rich you are, how many Oscars or Emmys or Tonys or houses or cars, that stuff at the end of the day really doesn't matter. We all are going to make our transitional journey. Um, and when you make, before you make that transitional journey, you want to be able to say to yourself that you fought the good fight. You did the best that you could, and you try to do something to leave a legacy to help others. And that's what I believe. We're temporary custodians of this great earth. And, you know, greats before us, Maya Angelou, Winston Churchill, Picasso, I mean, greats of the greats, they all have had to take this journey. And so while we still have breath in us, and our life is still vibrant, my recommendation for people is to do the same thing, which is, you know, my recommendation is to try to figure out what it is that you could do to help others to make the world a better place and leave a legacy. Yeah, it's, it's nice to make a paycheck, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have materialistic things, no doubt about it. I'm not, I'm not shunning those things, but what I'm saying is when you form your priority list and you take that landscape view of life, not the portrait view, but the landscape view of life, when you do that, you'll realize that those material goods and those particular assets are way less important than the asset of life and giving and experience.
3: You know, it's important that you say that the way you speak and uh, articulate, you know, because my mom recently made a transition and I bring that up on the show because uh, I always felt that you are important in my life. Uh, you had a book out at the time called Blast the Sugar Out and I interviewed you on the show and I went, man, I love this book. I love this book. And I took it home and uh, I live in Atlanta. My mom was residing in Houston at the time. I said, Mom, and I took to her caretakers. I said, I want you to follow because it's a cookbook to it, it not yeah. only tells you how, what you should do but it also gives you recipes on what you should eat on a daily basis and yeah. and we followed that man and it really improved her health man and I and I want to thank you for for providing that tool in my life for me to give because you're helpless in your life, especially when yeah. your parents get older, you don't, yeah. you know, there's no there's no miracle pill to get it right. But there are opportunities like that for people like you to provide us with information or tools that can make our lives better while we're still here. And you did that for me, my brother. And I want to say personally, thank you.
1: Well, Richon, I got to tell you something. I mean, you know, as a writer, uh, which I do every day of my life as a writer and a content creator. You know, I work often in 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 isolation and a vacuum. Meaning, you know, I'm at my computer, you know, at my desk at three o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. You know, it's dark outside, the family's asleep. I got music on the radio, trying to keep up. Uh, but you know, you work not really knowing whether or not what you're creating is going to be impactful to someone. Mm-hmm. But I work with the hope. I work with the hope that even if one person can find a benefit or feel like what I've written and created has changed their life, whether it's in fiction or whether it's in nonfiction, my health books, either one. If if it can impact even just one life, it makes me feel like all the time and the effort and the dedication was well worth it. So you saying to me, and you told me this before, but you saying to me how that book impacted your mother, that's exactly what my intention was. My intention is to write things and to create things for people so they can take it and immediately incorporate it in their lives And see a difference and hopefully, you know, live better and live stronger and live longer and live happier.
3: Well, you know, and thank you for, you know, being who you are. The reason I I shared that story with you, because you're about to become, you know, uh, the solo host for the 13th season of the of the doctors. And sometimes I just want to let you know what you do, what you've written. You know, and I'm sure you know we've been involved in other. I feel uh, life changing events like the events we did with State Farm. I felt that was life changing. You come on mm-hmm. Steve Harvey's show talking about shred, and I've seen you on other mm-hmm. shows. But I just want to hear from one on one. You 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 had a positive effect in my life, mm-hmm. and and it was so important that I tell you this because I allowed your book to be part of my mom, my mama, you know what I'm saying? My mama, mm-hmm. not anybody, my mama. Right. And, uh, right. and, right. and 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 that's important for you to hit it because you're about to go to a platform now where it's a world stage. And yeah. you, could, you can keep that little nugget in your head and say what I do has relevancy because television can kind of dilute that. Because it's yeah, well, me, It's entertainment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, uh,
1: and But I want to tell you something real fast. I want to tell you this. Listen, when I got this opportunity, first of all, uh, I'm very honored and privileged and mm-hmm. grateful for it, first mm-hmm. of all. And I thank God for it. But I wasn't even looking for it. And Rashawn, you've been in the business long enough to know <laughs> that sometimes when you're not looking for something is when things come to you right so you know when i got the call or the text actually uh to have the conversation about it, i was on my knees in my garden sweating dirty weeding
3: Mm -hmm. weeding my
1: garden and i got this text message from a number i didn't even recognize saying to me hey dr ian we think we have a great opportunity we'd like to talk to you about and it ended up being the executive producer of the doctors. And, you know, after this conversation, she's explained to me the kind of the changes they want to make to the show, and they want to revamp it, they want to get rid of the whole, you know, they typically had an ensemble cast of co-hosts. They want to get rid of that, make it one or just two co-hosts. And um, at the end of the conversation, she said, do you want to do it? Just like that. So what do you think? Do you want to do it? And uh, I was like, yeah, of course I want to do it. (laughs) Uh, You know, (laughs) but... But that being said, um, and thanks to Dr. Phil and Jay McGraw, his son, they're the ones who yep, both uh, own of them. the show. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, what's interesting is this. I tell you all that to say that we are given opportunities in life, and those opportunities are not sometimes frequent opportunities. And I think that people have to recognize opportunities when they're given to them because opportunities don't always come in the way that you want them to come, or that the way you immediately recognize—I'll never forget sitting when we were doing a fifty million pound challenge, we were in TD Jake's uh, Potter's house. We were in TD Jake's church. In Dallas. <laughs> and, and, and yep. And I'll never forget the part of the sermon that he said. It has stuck with me ever since, and this is years now. He said, "God gives us blessings, but unfortunately." a lot of people don't recognize the blessings because they don't come in the form that they prayed for them to come into but god has still sent them a blessing and they don't recognize it that was so powerful to me and i've told my family this many many times that you ask for things and that things may come to you but just because they don't come to you in the perfect way that you asked for them you're missing out well the same thing with opportunities opportunities come to you and many shapes and sizes and fashions, and you have to have your eyes open, your ears alert, and your senses ready to be able to take advantage of it. This is a great opportunity for me. It's a national stage. Um, It's the first time they've ever had a single host. It's obvious that I'm African American, right? So Mm -hmm. uh, now I'll be the only African American male in daytime television hosting a show. And I say that because the opportunities we get are not very often. But when we get these opportunities, we have to do the best we can to show and put our best foot forward and basically represent. So I got to get on this stage and in this studio and I got to represent and let people know that we can do this, that I can do it. And I just think it's very important.
3: You know, let me explain a little bit more about when the blessing doesn't come the way you may have wanted it. Because we all want our talk shows. You've always said that. You've said my office in Chicago said, Richard, I want my own show. Mm -hmm. So you get this call, but you you get it during the middle of a pandemic. You don't know if Hollywood going to re-kick off promotion, production. You don't know if it's going to be an audience. And this is what he's saying when he's gotten this opportunity, but it is not coming to him in the form that he's prayed for. It's coming in a very, uh, a remote but, uh, remote with, but, uh, unsure time. And so you had to make a decision and realize this is a blessing. Let me take advantage of, it. let me say yes and not walk away annoyed that is happening right now. That's what you're talking about, right? Dr. Smith.
1: 100%. You know, this requires, we moved the set from LA. So the set is on the Paramount lot. Uh, typically the show has been there for 12 seasons. It's now going to be in Stanford. Uh, we have a brand new set. It's beautiful. It's awesome looking, but now it requires me now to travel um, to go shoot the shows. And, you know, listen, I'm the first one talking about safety and dangers during the pandemic. So I had to make a decision with my family about whether or not this Mm -hmm. is something I should do, given that I would have to travel for this. And I've been living in a bubble for the last six months. So I've been at home. I haven't haven't been on anything public uh, for the last six months. Uh, to protect myself my family and others so so yeah you're right it came at a time that was not ideal given all that's going on but my wife said to me you have to do this yes because it's it's too big of an opportunity and too big of a platform for you to say no to, and yes, there is some risk to us personally, but the positive side of it, you being able to give a voice to America, a calming, scientifically based voice about the facts of the pandemic, what people can do, how you can inspire people, she said you have to do it. So, you know, that's the decision, yes. This is a blessing. And I'm going to take the blessing in the form that it came to me.
3: You're listening to Money Making Conversations with Rashawn McDonald. We'll be right back. Cars today are like a computer on wheels, but you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need Car Shield. Car Shield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. Car Shield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable and as low as $99 a month. No long-term contracts or commitment. Plus, you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work and Shield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield is America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands. Call 1-800-CAR-6000 and mention code MONEY M-O-N-E-Y or visit CarShield.com and use code MONEY. M-O-N-E-Y, to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code money. A deductible may apply. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. In the middle of your conversation, you snuck out a little thing that about gardening now. Doing I'm going to tell you something. Just to share a personal story with me, I I broke out and created me a little garden too, doctor. I. <laughs> Tomatoes, sage, man. I got the. I got photos of tomatoes and uh, jalapeno peppers, and it, it, it is. And it's going to become an annual thing. Tell us about your garden that you talked about. Obviously, you are living in this yeah. bubble. And yeah. what benefits did it give to you? And why will you recommend people to do their own organic uh, layout, their own gardens?
1: Well, I got to tell you something. I love yard work. I mean, and people say to me, "Wait." you do your own yard? Absolutely, I do my own yard. I find it to be very meditative. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm by myself. I can think through things. Uh, I'm engaged. It's physical, by the way. When you really get down to it, you know, cutting your grass, weeding your garden, planting, digging, very physical work, by the way. Um, And I really enjoy doing it. And um, the pandemic really said to me, and I've had landscapers, don't get me wrong, but I said during the pandemic, you know what? I'm going to do this myself, actually. You know, why can't I do it? I did it as a kid. Uh, I enjoyed cutting (laughs) grass as a kid, right? Making my $5 a cut. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. So why can't I do it? I'm physically able to do it. And I got to tell you, it's one of the best decisions i made because it really gave me an outlet. It gave me a way to be physical, uh, without you know i work out all the time but it gave me a, another way to be physical without it being a mandatory workout so i have more of a I, I used to have a more of a vegetable garden i have more of a flower garden so i have a lot of different types of flowers right um and the weeds have just the, the weeds said listen we're gonna take advantage of the pandemic because they just went crazy for some reason <laughs> this year so i literally Rashawn, i have spent hour not one hour i have spent hours yes pulling up weed. and here's the thing they look like plants by the way there weeds, you go. We, yeah we're not talking about weeds like straw right these look they look like nice plants but yes. they're not they're really weeds, and, and they deeply take over rooted, garden. Deeply, rooted. Right. And deeply rooted <laughs> yeah, that's, right. That's, right. that's right that's right so uh so yes yeah, so i've been doing a lot of projects Rashawn. i've been writing a lot i mm-hmm. told people in the beginning of the pandemic on my instagram and if you're on instagram follow me at dr ian smith spell the doctor out ian smith i told people in the very beginning i said guys here's the deal we don't know how long this is going to be we don't know how severe this is going to be but one thing you can do is be productive, find projects, things that you always said you wanted to do. Do these things that you've always said, if I had more time, if I had, well, now we got the time. So I've been extremely productive. I've been writing like crazy. I wrote my book for twenty twenty. One, I've already finished two of those books. I got two books coming out then. My new book is coming out, or yeah, in October 1st, The Unspoken. But you can buy it
3: right, right now. Let's go talk about it right now. Let's set it up. Let's go set it up right. You know, your new okay. book, Dr. Ian K. Smith, is written under that name, not under Dr. Ian Smith, correct?
4: Right, that's it's, right. It's about right. a
3: former Chicago detective, Ash Kane, is desperate for redemption. After refusing to participate in the police department cover-up involving the death of a young black man, sounds very current, don't it? <laughs> Kane is pushing out <laughs> is pushing out of the fourth, but he won't sit quietly on the sideline. He's compelled to fight for justice as a private investigator, even if it means putting himself in jeopardy. What a timely book. Come on now, The Unspoken.
1: Can I tell you something? Now, see, this is, this is the crazy thing, Rashawn. I started writing this book two years ago. Right. So mm-hmm. before... Everyone thinks that I wrote this book to match the time that we're in now had nothing to do with this. Let me tell you why I wrote this book. I've always wanted to write a character, a strong African-American male character. I felt like when you look at the landscape of TV and you look at fiction, we don't really have that character. We don't have it. I mean, and so I said, and and my desire to have one, I said, I'll just write it. I said, you know, no one's written it like I'm going to write this character. So I, I had this idea for this character. He's tough. He's, um, uh, he's a great athlete, former athlete. He's smart. He's good looking. He likes golf. He likes classic cars. He's a fun guy. He's had some, some troubles in his romantic life. He basically got stood up by his fiance. So he's not perfect. He's imperfect. He's perfectly imperfect, right? Which is, he's a real person. But here's the deal. I was watching the news one night. Right. And I saw about the shooting of Laquan McDonald in Chicago. Right. And I was watching the video Of this young black guy walking away from police officers and getting shot and with no he had no 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 he was unarmed he was no threat he was just walking away from them now Mm -hmm. they told him to stop but he kept walking and they killed him and as I'm sitting there looking at the video and reading the stories what real what I realized Rashawn was my goodness God's amazing thank goodness someone had body cam video number one right right number one thank goodness for body cam video but number two they suppressed it for over a year they sure did and and actually They
3: they settled with the family
1: that's right that's right. They suppressed the video. Someone leaked the video to the media. Yes. And that's when the firestorm started. Yes. But that was a year after it happened. Yes. So thank goodness someone leaked the video. Yes.
3: Because they had so already I, settled with the family. Yes. and thought it was all under the carpet. It was yeah, done. Yeah. Everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I said, wow, what a great entree for my character. I'm going to make this guy be a former detective with the Chicago Police Department who leaves because he won't participate in the cover up of what they police call a bad shooting um and then he hangs up his own shingle and starts taking on very select cases around the city of Chicago. It takes them all the way to the wealthy North Shore, all the way to the South Side, and in between. So that is what The Unspoken is about. People love it. It already got option to be a TV series, so fingers crossed. Um, they're going to start shopping it in a couple weeks because yes. the producers want to make a TV show. But, you know, that's, this is another passion of mine. You know, I, I'd say to people, guys, listen, follow your passion. Right. When you follow your passion, you're not working. It's not work for me. It's just me having fun and, and 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 doing what I love to do, and that makes it much easier
5: well,
3: um,
1: the, than feel like it's worth.
3: And it, it, well, the beauty of you has been always a you you're a self motivator. But when I look at this book, and I you know if you go online, it got four and a half out of five stars and reviews uh, all been. Uh, Brilliantly received, and uh, and this is a great compelling. This is just another part of your layer. And the reason I always like about you, liked about you, and still like about you, is the fact that you are willing to let that journey take you in that direction. And when when you see the opportunity, like I said, that blessing, you didn't know it was going to happen. You know, Mm -hmm. this was something you watching TV, and it just dawned on you creatively. Wow, this this is some this this that 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 next key that allowed me to be creative, and that is mm-hmm. what this book is about. The unspoken. You can buy it right now. It comes out officially out October first. Give us a little juicy. What is this particular storyline about? Now I yeah. want to hear. Hey, you tell me because I don't want to give away too much of the facts. Sure,
1: sure. So um, the book opens up with. A very wealthy white woman, yes. aristocratic from mm-hmm. the North Shore of Chicago, mm-hmm. she goes down to the South
3: Loop, and blonde. she goes to Ash. <laughs> huh? She's blonde.
1: Yes, yes, she's blonde. <laughs> she goes down to the South Loop, and she finds Ash Kane, our man, and she says to him, "I want you to find my missing daughter." And he doesn't want to do it at first, and there's something she says to him. That he's it piques his interest because money's not an issue for him. He he he's fine. He he got a big settlement from the city, so he doesn't take cases because of the money. He takes cases only when it it tingles. Something tingles inside of him that says, "I got to look into this." And um, that's the opening book. And so he's the book is him trying to find this wealthy white girl uh, who disappeared and the ride starts. It's twisting and turning, it's up and down. You go to the tough streets of Englewood, um, all the way up to the North Shore and the Wealthy Coast, to downtown, to the Gold Coast. It's just, and you know Chicago, he goes everywhere. And Chicago, by the way, is a character in the book. Chicago, Chicago is, I think, a very misunderstood important. city. Yes, it is. And it's an, but it's an important city. It's the third country's third largest city, but it's a flyover city. Everyone talks about LA and New York, and you fly over Chicago, and so I really wanted Chicago itself to be a character. I want you to understand the pulse of the city, the grit of the city, uh, the fashion of the city. so the violence uh, the, of the city. The violence, right. every, everything, all mm-hmm. parts of the city. It's a corrupt city. Mm-hmm. Chicago's a corrupt city. You know, it's, it's the foundation of this city is corruption. And I don't say that in a negative pejorative way, but that's the truth. If yes. you look at the history of Chicago, it's about backroom deals. It's about connections and who knows who and aldermen and, 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 and the Cook County president. So I felt like what a great place to put a private investigator series in a city that has so many different faces to
3: it. Well, you know, I'm telling you, uh, you're absolutely right. Chicago is one of my favorite cities. Great food, by the way, if you ever want to traveling around. Where well, I want to eat great food, go to Chicago. They got it all. That's right. They got it <laughs> That's all. Right. But you know, it, right. we know. Let, let's shift gears a little bit because you are in the mm-hmm. doctor, and, and we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, when, uh, when you read an article that states that ninety four percent of the people who actually die from COVID nineteen have pre existing uh, medical mm-hmm. conditions. When you realize that you know African Americans and people of color are overtly uh, are affected by the uh, COVID nineteen virus. What is your role in all of this, just from an informational standpoint, doctor?
1: Well, I think you know. I think that it's been very unfortunate what has happened in our country. And I say that I'm trying to be calm about it because it really riles my blood pressure. The fact that the medical experts, the scientists, the doctors, the nurses, the public health advocates, the fact that they were not the leading voice of this pandemic and, and guiding the country in how to fight it, and that the politicians made it a political issue and therefore stripped the true apolitical nature of the pandemic. It's science. Science and medicine are not political. People make it political. A virus isn't political. A virus infects what's called a host, and that's just a body. It could be a rich person, a poor person, a black person, white, Jewish. It doesn't matter. Muslim, it doesn't matter. And, And the fact that the government, that some certain leaders in the government quote unquote leaders in the government the fact that they made this a political issue is really really disgusting and it has compromised the entire country the number of deaths would not be where it is the number of injuries would not be where it is the loss now listen to this no one talks about really the loss of life experience Kids not being able to go back to school, Mm -hmm. sports being canceled for kids, their seniors, the last chance of being able to win the state title, Um, kids not being recruited uh, because they weren't able to play a whole season and recruiters couldn't see them, people not being able to attend their children's graduation, a whole class not being able to walk up on the stage in front of hundreds of people, thousands of people cheering them on after four years of hard work. Rashawn, think about the loss of life experience, all because, all because some quote-unquote leaders in Washington wanted to politicize this and not take it seriously. And now this is the damage. This is the carnage. So as a physician, as an American, as a, as a lover of human life, this has been a really, really tough time for me to see what has happened because I'm telling you, you ask anybody who's been to med school and they will tell you, Rashan, this isn't complicated. Scientists and doctors know what to do, but weren't allowed to guide the country and how to minimize its effect and that's why this is very sad and history will not look very kindly on this period of American life because it will show how incapable and well, that we were not not. I shouldn't say inca- we were very capable it will show how ineffective and inept we were when we had tons of capability that we, we ignored
3: absolutely and, that, and like I said uh, politicizing it uh, trying to keep the stock market open, trying to keep the country open when uh, when it can be led with simple decisions, wear a mask, social distance and and, and using political intimidation, too. That's what you're saying. By not yeah. allowing the doctors to be doctors and scientists to be scientists and be guided by their decision making. No, we're going to change the rules. You can't change the hey, rules Rashad, of science. Rashad,
1: listen, Rashad, you don't want me to talk to you. About the ins and outs, the X's and O's of the economy. I'm not an economist. Right. You don't want me to lead that conversation. I'm <laughs> right. serious. Right. right? Mm-hmm. You don't want me to tell you the X's and O's of how to drill for oil. I, mm. That's not what I do. I've, I've never, never done it. Haven't trained in it. Mm-hmm. But here we have people who have never, never done anything in the scientific community are going to tell the country what is a good vaccine what is the proper medication when a vaccine should be available how can you say that that's like me saying to you hey Rashawn, you know what in six months i want the stock market to be over forty thousand. Yes. based on what mm-hmm. well because i said that we should be at 40, forty. it doesn't work that way science doesn't work because you got some deadline Science is science. Science happens on its own. And I just think, you know, it's just been horrible in this country. I'm just very sad. It's just, yeah. And, and a classic
3: example of what you just said, the CEO of AstraZeneca said in April that he would have a vaccine in September. And guess who paused in September? AstraZeneca. So that's what you're saying. You cannot predict no. science. You just and like you, you cannot you, predict you, the you, stock market.
1: That's right. And you can't give in to political pressure. My feeling, and I'm public about this, my feeling is had the country shut down, For four to six weeks, like the other countries had done, I mean shut down, no air traffic, no interstate travel with trains and buses, had we all sheltered in place together, all of us, I don't care where you live, from South Dakota to Louisiana to Boston to L.A., it doesn't matter. If we all just sat at home in our small communities and let this thing die down, let it die down. We'd be in a much different world right now, but because people didn't want to do it, Rashan, in a uniform way, everyone said, well, I got rights. I got rights. This wasn't about rights. This was about how do you attack a global pandemic? And then you look at the data and we, on the show, the doctors, we're going to talk about this September 21st, we premiere. We're going to talk about what did the other countries do? Why is it that they had 100 days of no infections? And we're going to compare what they did and what the best lessons are. But we just didn't do it right, Rashawn. Absolutely. People talk about we got we got to open the economy. Well, listen, what good is opening the economy if people end up getting sick and you got to close the businesses again? That's what happened. You want to have a ping-pong relationship? That's what happened. Open, close, open, close. And now look where we are. Look yeah. where we are. I, pre- I well, called it a well, month
3: ago. You called it. it it's the, that's the perfect theme for the new season. Take your power back uh tell us the background of why that's important uh, just just I'm going to tell you something man I'm going to enjoy I'm, I'm if I can't see it I'm I'm, I'm recording it because You're already on fire. You know, my little podcast, you're on fire. But the thing about our relationship, we just get to talking, doctor. We just get to talking. And next thing you know, it's 30 minutes later. We got to go. Hey, I got to stop talking to you, brother. I can't take up all your time. But the theme is take your power back. Tell us about the new season. You kind of hinted on it on the premiere episode. But what is the arc of the season? Take your power back.
1: Very succinctly. Take your power back means that we have been living in times that we have felt powerless. These are uncertain times, these are dangerous times, people are scared and nervous, understandably so. We wanna show people that there are things that you can do to take some of that power back. Not all of it, because some of this is out of our control, like a vaccine is out of our control. But there are things that you can do within your own homes, within your own life, to take some of that power and stability back. And so we're going to inspire people. We're going to challenge people. We're going to give you the best answers that we can find that are scientifically based and not politically based. And my my mission to my team was this. In the very beginning, I said, guys, every day I want to do something that every person watching – can make a change in their life to improve it. And that's our mission. We want to, This is a show for the people. It's about the people. It's not about what Dr. Ian thinks, what my producers think. It's about what people need. So we want to put this show forward to you all. So send me a DM on Instagram, at Dr. Ian Smith. Uh, spell the doctor out. And let me know what you want us to talk about. Uh, let me know about your experts. We want different experts from all walks of life to give us different experiences. This is going to be a show For all of us, it's going to be a diverse show, tackling issues that we all care about.
3: Yeah, and you know I post about you. So, you know, when people react very good when I post about Dr. Ian Smith on my (laughs) timeline. And so if you got a banner that says what you just said, please tell your people to get it to me so I can post and let people know that this show is about the people. It's not so much about the producers. It's about the people and the voices they want to. Be a part of the show. You're engaging them. But more importantly, his book, The Unspoken, is coming out. is already out officially out October 1st. You're premiering your new episode of the 13th season. He's the solo host. Dr. Ian Smith is who's the solo host of The Doctors. The author, Ian K. Smith, is the same person. Same person now. Doing his thing in multiple levels. Like I said, he's been a blessing in my life. He's a blessing to my mom. I appreciate you. And my last name, if you ever do an episode, brother, about bacon. Call me, man. I'll show up. I'll show up and do a, do some baking on the show. Just let people live right. i, I take man, care of you. So I'll take I care. I got
1: you, and I appreciate your friendship <laughs> through the years. Uh-huh. And we, we've had a lot of experiences together, and the road ain't over yet, so let's keep going.
3: Absolutely. Again, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, get those banners to me about your show so I can get them posted before the show premieres. Thank you, my brother. All right, appreciate man. you. Thank you. Man. Love you. Much Bye-bye. love to you. Take care. We'll be right back with more from Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. Organ donations
5: save lives, and some organs can even be donated by a living donor. August is National Minority Donor Awareness Month, so let's check in with Dr. Danae Simpson, Assistant Professor of Surgery at Northwestern Medicine. Tell us about the African American Transplant Access Program.
4: So this is my baby. This is a program that I have dreamt about creating since I became interested in transplant as a trainee, and it's a program designed to address the significant disparities that our African-American patients face. The program is designed to educate patients about transplant, let them know what transplant can provide to them, and to help them access the resources that they find so scarce and so challenging. To access in order to get them on the transplant path and back to, you know, some type of meaningful life.
3: For more information, visit nm.org radio. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. My next guest is Gary Owen. He's one of the top touring comedians today. He's performed and he performs regularly in soul-like comedy clubs and arenas around this country. His big break came in 1997 on BT stand-up showcase, Comic View. Now, as an actor, you've seen him in Think Like a Man movies, Daddy Daycare, Little Man, Ride Alone. He is on the show to talk about his comedy career because he's back on tour. COVID, he back out there now. COVID shut us down for a little I bit, am. but he back out there. His popular Gets on podcast and he's starring in a new action thriller movie called Welcome to Sudden Death with Michael White. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, my man, Gary Owen. How you doing, Gary? What's up, man? Well, we we, we kinda we kinda of popped it off right there, man. The COVID came in and everybody in live event performances shut down. Talk tell us about that moment when there was a realization that that uh, this pandemic was gonna take away a, a portion of your income and how did you deal with it?
2: Well it took away a, a huge part of the income there for a while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I understated it, Gary. I understated it. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well you gotta realize I, I kinda live my life and we budget um yes. like everything around my stand up money. Like T V and film money is always just like extra to me. Right. That's, when those when those checks come in, I'm always like, Oh great, extra money. Mm-hmm. But as far as my day to day living, we base it off stand up. So when that came to a halt, um I was just like, Whoa, okay. I, I thought it was gonna be like two, three months. I didn't know we'd still be going.
3: Right. Right. <laughs> You know nope. that, that was the scary part about it because of the fact that you know you know you know we're, we're, people have to admit that as you're just an entrepreneur. If you're a stand-up comic, you're successful. You are a small business. You're walking, talking small business. You Just happen to be going on stage performing. And when that when the, when the COVID hit me, I, I I admit I was I couldn't really grasp. How I would go out in public. I had my Perel. I had my, I had my wipes. I had my mask. You know, I have some, 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 some tissues and I didn't know I my, I even had plastic gloves. How did that affect you? You know, not just from a comedic standpoint, just from a real life standpoint. You have your, your family to deal with and your, and your, in your professional life being shut down. Now you're at home. How did that all play out, Gary?
2: Well, I mean, a couple of things I did. I called everyone that I know. Um, that's healthier than me, which is uh, Romney Malco, who is in Think Like a Man, who's probably the healthiest man I've ever met. <laughs> I
3: agree, I agree. I
2: swear to God, that guy's 75 years old and looks 30.
3: <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're not lying now. That's my favorite, man. He's one of my favorite people.
2: Yeah, and I, I called him. I said, Romney, what should I be taking like, to boost my immune system? Mm-hmm. Just in case I caught it, or and if I did catch it, I'd be equipped to deal with it. Um, so I called him. I called a couple of doctors that I know. I just called everyone healthier than me to find out what I should be taking Uh, in case I caught it. And then, you know, I, I, I'm going back to what you said earlier, how, um, when the COVID hit, how did I deal with it? One thing I did that I I would encourage any comic to do is I really amped up my YouTube and Facebook videos Mm -hmm. because, um, uh, you know, once you get a thousand subscribers, you can get monetized on YouTube. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And so I actually hired a company to take all my old jokes because I own all my my comedy specials. There you go, I man. did it myself. Mm-hmm. So I was like, cut these up, put them on YouTube, and it kind of supplemented my income. I mean, it wasn't as much as stand up, but it was more money than I had had in the past off social media. So you, that's money I could have made. I, I made without leaving my house.
3: Now, let me ask you this. So, so, and every time, a lot of people don't know this. Every time you, when you have subscribers and every time you upload a video, it notifies your current subscribers. And that's how you get more subscribers. And so, did you, yeah. did you just like, uh, you know, because a lot of people understand that social media really is, a, is, is, uh, is a blessing. And this is what you said, look, hey, man, I own my material. I, I copyright this stuff. Let me go on YouTube and make more money using my material. And that enabled you to, See things from a different perspective now that the pandemic is allowing you to go back to work. Aren't you looking at a different financial model?
2: I am, and it's also building your fan base. You're you're bringing in fans that you didn't have before the pandemic, mm-hmm. because more people are at home watching this stuff. Right, and <laughs> and now you get back on the road, and you know I I got back on the road a few times in the last couple months. And with YouTube, Facebook, and the podcast, it's like I'm bringing in new fans that I didn't know I had before the pandemic.
3: Well, now you become what like they say, a um, multiple streams of income. And that's that's what we all try to achieve. There's not, and you are also yeah. achieving a level where you're not waiting on somebody to give you an opportunity, especially with the podcast, and especially with the YouTube channel. So when I when I when I look at what you're doing with your career, Gary, first of all, I'm, I'm proud of you. You know, I always, you know, I've, I've been backstage watching you perform. I've I've watched you on TV. I've watched at least two of your your comedy special. You know, you built a brand and you built a brand as a white guy in a black, with a black audience. How did all that start? You know, cause I, I did stand up. I started out performing in front of an all white audience and then Def Jam hit in 92 and suddenly I saw a black audience out there and I shifted my gear and I went over there and said, this is a bigger opportunity. This pays a bigger check. I'll, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm going to live my dream through this. And then I became a talent manager and the rest is history. So how did you start yeah. out your, your stand up career and your focal point?
2: Well, I, I always knew I wanted to be a stand-up. I just didn't know, how do you do it? You know, you grew up in a small town in Ohio. I'm like, how do I, how do you even start? Because even when I was a teenager, I would. we had a local comedy club. We had a funny bone in Cincinnati that right. Ray Combs used to own. He used to be the host of Family Feud. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, uh, I'd always sit outside and listen to the comics. I was too young to get in, but I'd sit at the front door. And it was funny because I actually got cool with the door guy there. And he started to be like, hey, uh, I mean, you're always hanging out here. And I was like, "I was like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a comedian.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I had never been on stage yet. I was telling him, yeah, I'm a comedian. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he started to let me sit in the back. He had his own little back high top table. And me and this guy would sit in the back and we'd watch stand-ups come in. And literally never being on stage, I'd be in the back critiquing stand-ups going, oh, I'm better than him. Yes. Oh, yeah, I'm funny
5: yes.
4: about him. Yes,
3: but yes,
2: But then there'd be some comics I'd be like, oh, that guy's pretty good.
0: I know. <laughs> like, and, isn't
3: pro. that funny? I never thought of that. I never thought of that. that that's that's crazy. And, it it really does then, become um, a science. That's, that's important that you say that because you get to see some people, that, you know, the musical act. You get to see all of them. And that was a beauty of your education, being able to sit back and see all these different levels.
2: Yeah. And then I joined the military after high school. And the only reason I joined the military is, I always say, I, I, didn't know, I didn't know where I exactly wanted to go. I just know where I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be stuck in that trailer park in that small town the rest of my life. Right. So the, the, the Navy was an opportunity to basically get an airline ticket and fly me right. <laughs> to another part of the country. <laughs> right. I got to meet different types of people. And, but the whole goal, and it sounds crazy from like I can remember junior high was to be a stand up. And I thought, I thought you had to start in LA. I didn't know you could start doing stand up in any city you live in. Right. I thought you had to start in LA. I also thought the whole state of California was Los Angeles. Right, because I'm I'm looking at David Lee Ross' video. I wish y'all could be California girls. I'm like, well, that's the whole state.
3: I, love I didn't know there it. I was a
2: Fresno it. and a Bakersfield.
3: Right, let alone San <laughs> Diego. Like, what? Okay, well, you had to fly San Diego.
2: Well, that's where I got stationed. Mm-hmm. I, I finally got stationed after two years in San Diego, and my first day there, I got in the phone book and I started looking up comedy clubs. And it was funny. I called this place called the Comic Castle. And I said, Hey man, what's up? I gave him the phone book. I go, you got open mic. He said, let me check. And he goes, he gets off the phone. He comes back. He goes, I can't find him. I said, what do you mean you can't find him? It was a comic book store. I thought I was calling a comedy club. This dude was looking for a super on a open I open no. Nah. I said, man, I'm you trying to understand him.
3: Hey, girl, girl, You, you tried so hard. You tried so hard. You, you, this is funny, man. Continue, oh. continue, man. This is funny. I'm glad I talked to you about this stuff. Come on, man.
2: Come and, on. But the, the dude was so helpful at the comic book store. He goes, nah, man, we're a comic book store, but here's the phone number to the comedy store in La Jolla and Southern Comedy Club. So I went and I, I signed up for open mic after about a month. I finally got on and in my mind, that was it. I'm about, I'm about to be a star. My first open mic, I'm like, I've waited for this. I'm ready for this. I think I got, I got. Are you still two. in the
3: military? Are you, are you out? Are you still I'm in still, the Navy? Oh yeah.
2: I'm still in the Navy. Okay. I'm still in the Navy. <laughs> and I'm like, cause open mic nights was Sunday night at the comedy store. Mm-hmm. And I went up there and I got on stage. It was probably midnight, one in the morning. There's like 10 people in the audience, but there's like 20 comics in the back of the room. So the comics were heckling me. And I was like, you know, when you open mic, I got this five minutes. I don't have anything else. Right. I can't get out of it. <laughs> so I told the, the comics in the back, I go, hey, uh, why don't you guys keep heckling? Because I'm 19 and I had a beer in my hand. I said, I've been drinking this club all night. Why don't I call the cops and shut this place down? <laughs> they threw me out so fast.
4: <laughs> Yo, they,
2: oh my god! I, I ain't like it was like out of a movie. The the, the <laughs> power went out on the mic. Some bouncer came up and grabbed me by the back of my shirt and threw me like I did a front roll in front of the comedy store. And the the guys stood over me and goes "Don't ever come back!"
4: Oh my god! Oh <laughs> I was my like, god! Oh
2: great! So I I go to my ship the next day and i'm telling people about the night before and like you everybody's laughing and a couple of brothers um that i was stationed with they said Joe Yo, g you can go here here and here they told me about all the quote unquote hood hood spots black spots that they have comedy shows so that's really why i started doing all the 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 quote unquote black comedy is because it was an i could get on stage
5: i could right. get on stage at
2: the mainstream room
5: right and then
2: fast forward I started trying to go to L.A. now. So now I'm, I'm driving up to L.A. all the time from San Diego. And the same thing happened. I went to the comedy store. I waited in line three, four hours, three different times to be a paid regular at the comedy store. And I finally got the showcase for Mitchie Shore. And I didn't get picked. So I was just like, I said, it's whatever. And, but at, I, um, I got to meet Guy Tory. And then Guy, you know, Guy got me on a Fat Tuesday. And then again, Mm -hmm. all all the black comics start saying, hey, man, you can come here, here, here. So I start doing all the black nights in Mm -hmm. Hollywood. Right. And that's basically what led to everything. And then I got on BET. Became the host, and then the rest is kind of history.
3: Well, you know, it's really interesting just hearing that story because, like I said, you just took advantage of the opportunities that were presented to you. Okay, and uh, and and, but more importantly, you took advantage of that. You were not, you did not see an opportunity to say, "Well, well, you know, I'm still trying to get over here to be successful. I'm gonna be successful where I'm allowed the opportunity to be successful." When you when you got on BET, you became the host. Was that? Was that how much did that change your touring? money as they say your ability to be booked
2: well here's what's crazy when i people that remember the old comic few days it was a
3: contest you know i remember you know and, I remember.
2: And, yeah i know you remember mm-hmm. but uh it was a contest and so the first year i did it i just you know they filmed the whole season in a week right they do like three or five it was three or five episodes every day monday through friday so the whole season was done in a week Mm-hmm. So I was still active duty military. I was still in the navy. I took a week's leave, drove up to L.A. and recorded my whole season
3: right there. You kidding? So me. now, so you're still in the I'm navy? Oh, you're in the navy? Oh my god! And you recorded BET's Comic View.
2: Yeah. Here's where it gets crazy. I'm still active duty. Uh, I uh, I go up to L.A. film Comic View, come back to my base. So now I start to air on TV. I'm a cop in the Navy. I'm at arms. So we on the gate waving cars in. Dude, I'm on the gate waving cars in, and some of the brothers is like, Hey man, didn't I see you on TV last night? <laughs> 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 so I'm sitting there and then um and BET doesn't know I'm in the Navy, and the Navy itself doesn't really know I'm, you know, doing this stand-up thing. And Curtis Gasson, who was the head of BET at the time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Called me and said, hey, well, his assistant called me and said, Curtis wants to meet with you. I drive up to L.A. and he, Curtis goes, we want to make you the host. And I was like, whoa. So I'm like, whoa, I had to go back to my base. And I still had six months left on my enlistment. And I was like, um, I got to get out early. I got offered a TV show. And literally <laughs> they were like, we've heard of some lies, but this one's a great one. <laughs> and so basically, long story short is um b t wasn't they weren't gonna start filming for another three months, right. right. I had six months left in my enlistment. So my command worked with me, and they they I finished out that three months working, and then I drove up to l a and that's when I just moved up there. So there you know when you say tour money, there really wasn't tour money. I wasn't on the road. I was basically just San Diego going up, you know, four or five times a week. Wow, and then I get out of the Navy. I immediately go into hosting BET, right, and um, now I'm on the road as a stand-up. It was like it was crazy. I didn't have the 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 years of being on the road, uh, you know, opening up for people for no money. I didn't, I don't have that story, but my grind is was driving to L.A. three four times a week out of San Diego. Like I get off work at four in the Navy, drive up to L.A. for like a ten o'clock spot at the Comedy Act Theater. And then drive right back because I got to be at work at six
3: in the morning. Right. So your grand, so was, was, like, your grand was serving your, our country. You know, that, that was your grand. Serving my country. Right.
2: And, you know, driving four hours, two hours up, two hours back, four or five days a week in my S10 pickup. Um, just so I could get five, ten minutes on stage because I felt like, uh, you know, I was getting my name out there. I was meeting people. I was just so excited to meet people I saw on TV.
3: You're listening to Money Making Conversations with Rashawn McDonald. We'll be right back. Cars today are like a computer on wheels, but you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need Car CarShield Car Shield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a cover repair, including computers, GPS, electronics and more. CarShield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable and as low as $99 a month. No long term Contract or commitment. Plus, you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24/7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield is America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands. Call 1-800-CAR-6000. and mention code money M-O-N-E-Y, or visit CarShield.com and use code money M-O-N-E-Y to save 10%. That's com. code money. A deductible may apply. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. First of all, you know, I, 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 my laughter is natural because of the fact you're just naturally funny. I'm just hearing you talk and you just naturally just, you know, it, it, I always tell people when you become a, a, a real comic, you just know how to say certain words that, would generate a laugh. You just know, you know, two plus two is four. And and yeah. that that ability to be just naturally funny has always paved your way to the next opportunity. Now, we say you're on the road now, you're getting popular, people showing up to see Gary. How did that feel, Gary?
2: Uh, I, you know what? I always, I always knew it was going to happen. And it sounds cocky. But there was never any doubt. It was like I would I would sit in class in like high school. Yes. And literally, this sounds so cocky. I would look around like
3: you guys don't know who's in your class. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting right here. <laughs> Take pictures, get my autograph. I would. Don't be sad yo, if you don't would, do it. That's Rachel, funny.
2: I would tell girls you should date me. I'm gonna make it. you should.
3: You know, <laughs> this, is why, this is why I I found it so incredible when I talk to people who get it early on. so you got it. You know, I went to college, it took me seven years to graduate, then I worked work for IBM, and then I started doing stand-up. You know, I wasted seven valuable years of when I could have just at 18 knew this is what I wanted to do. You know, followed my natural instinct, followed my blessings, and went and did it. And that's why, when I look at when I listen to your story, it's all it's so one, it's so single focused. Okay, I gotta get out of Ohio, I, I'm gonna use the military. You said it, I'm gonna use the military to get out of here, take me to a city that I can do stand up. Once you realize you can do stand up anywhere, then guess what? You pursue that opportunity. Then you say, I gotta get to LA, I, okay, I'm gonna drive, I'm not gonna let somebody stop, I'm not gonna party, I'm not gonna be dating, I gotta, I gotta fulfill my dream. You always had a single. Single-minded focus, man. That that's 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 a passion that is still carrying through today for you. Correct?
2: Oh, without question, because you never reach your goals. I always say, like, if you sell ten thousand tickets, you want to sell eleven thousand next time. Right. Um, you win an Oscar, you want to win another Oscar. You're move, you get in a movie, you want to do another movie. You, you never reach your goals. the the The, the goals change. You know, because you first get in the business, you just want to be on the road as a headliner, and then you want to sell tickets, and then you want to get the door deals, and then you want to move to theaters. Right? And it always changes, but you know, you you never reach your goal. I guess my goal would be to sell out Earth.
3: Right. I know that's <laughs> well, possible. Well, you get past COVID, <laughs> you get there, my brother. Now let, let's, let 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 let's talk about let's talk about these specials now, because they you know doing a special is what you want to do. You want to get that special, but then again, it takes a whole lot of your key material when you do it because you Mm got to get your special you get it then you got to get on the road to take advantage of all that extra exposure to get those sellouts and those door deals how do you write your material
2: I don't really write my jokes down I mean I'll get in my phone and my notes I'll have like a word Mm -hmm. but I don't really write my jokes down it's just I'm on the road so much that uh they're just always in my brain. Right. But I don't really write my jokes down. It's, and, it, you know, I just think your comedy kind of grows with you uh, with, you know, I used to talk about dating. Then I got married and then my right. kids were young and now they're teenagers. And now they just graduated. It's just I think it's just I just really talk about my life a lot,
3: mm-hmm. a lot. Right. They say a whole lot. I do know Gary. A old. whole lot. I know Gary. Yep. Reality show, Gary. You you talk about so much you made as a TV show. That's how much you talk about. You, you are an open book. Facts. You're an open book. Open yeah. book. Right. It, now, you know, it, let's let's get into the movies now because I know you have the movie Weird Welcome to Southern Death with uh Michael Jawai, Universal yeah. 1440 Entertainment is the production of Universal Home Entertainment. Now, go back in our relationship with Think Like a Man, Think Like a Man Too. I remember Will Packer, we were sitting down, Steve Harvey and I, and we were going through the casting and then uh and your name popped up. It was not even a question that, that you Oh might, really? No, what? You you just it was just you were just perfectly made for the movie. And you um Oh now you just seriously, you were perfectly made for the movie and, and when it became a uh instant hit, how did that affect your touring dollars? The first Think Like a Man movie, Gary.
2: Well that that was that was a time in my career, it was like the perfect storm. My my career I, I it's gone in like three segments. It was like I got the wholesome job on B E T and then and then I, you know, I had a couple specials come out and, you know, but at, when Think Like A Man came out in 2012 and we recorded it in 2011, um, my career was kind of on a hamster wheel. I was doing fine, mm-hmm. but it, it wasn't really going anywhere. the money was the same. You know, like, right. I, I kind of knew when I went into a city, how much money I was pulling out. Right. And then um, I knew how many tickets I would sell. And it was like this, it's crazy how this, I would say from 2010 to 2013 it was a huge jump in my career There was three things that happened one uh mike epps had this uh comedy show called live from the nokia and he asked me to be on it and i got on it and i said uh i just had a feeling um that set was going to do something for me i don't know why mm-hmm. and it did and then then the next year um Will Packer called? No, six months after I recorded it, Will Packer called me, and was like, "Yo, I got this movie. G. He's um, this white guy <laughs> that can hang out with black guys, but not act black, right, and right. and really be able to give and take. Like, give them shit, and then they they give and take." And I was like, "Oh, that's perfect." Right. And then, um, and then like, and then I did another special, and then it just all. That was a big jump in my career as far as, like, tickets going up and people recognizing me and getting more opportunities, like, in front of the camera. Yeah, I always say Will Packer, especially going to bat for me and you guys and the Think Like a Man franchise, it just came at a time in my career where it just went pew. You know, the IRS was happy.
3: (laughs) 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 Well, I'm going to just tell you, you you know, like I said, you know, you have to be ready for those moments. Gary, and you was ready for those moments, and that—that's why, I, that's why I appreciate the storytelling that you're doing and doing this interview. Everything is like uh, so fresh and so vivid in your mind because you still you live in your what you wanted to do all your life, and, and so it's not even like a another thought. You know, I didn't want to be a scientist. You know, I I was in the navy, but that wasn't a career move for me. Okay, that wasn't that was just a, an opportunity to get to my dream and I think that's really impressive and and when I when I look at the movie that I, I, I saw Welcome to Southern Death with Michael White. Okay, now you, you're the comedy relief in this movie. Okay. So when people tell you that and you're given a script, what runs through your mind? Is there additional pressure that you because, you know, it's a serious, you know, terrorist driven movie where this basketball arena and the the owner of the arena is captured and people are being bludgeoned and killed backstage and nobody knows about it. Out of all this, you got to be funny. Is that pressure?
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you what's crazy about this whole movie and how I got it. Okay. And you always hear the notion: there's no small parts. Right. Um, in this business. Oh, well, I'm just telling you, something, Gary.
3: So your whole career in this interview been crazy. So you can use the word crazy, but it really kind of like kind of like it's the exclamation mark of everything that happened in your life. My thing about you is that when you give an opportunity to do, you go for it. 100%. That's what I give you. And I give you credit for that, man. That's uh, following your passion with, with, with credibility and, and, and and, and an absolute focus. You're amazing, dude. I got to give you love on that one, brother.
2: Yeah. Appreciate it. But this is how, this is how welcome to Sun death came about for me. I did a movie called undercover brother Two. And yes. Michael yes, White I, in I it. saw that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's on Netflix now. Absolutely. And me and Michael Jai White, we only had one day together shooting, like one day, mm-hmm. and I didn't really have any lines. I just, ha- I just had to give Mike a face in the movie, and he kept cracking while we were filming. He kept going, "I can't look at this guy without laughing,"
4: <laughs> <laughs> and
2: so, so we, you know, met small talk, nothing crazy. All of a sudden, he DMs me uh, like four or five months later and said, "Hey, man, I'm getting ready to do this movie. Um, Can I send you the script, or can you call me to discuss it?" So I called him, and he was he pitches the movie to me, and he goes, "Dude, I really, I really want you on this movie." And here I am. I'm like, okay, 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 okay.
3: Okay, he he calling you, telling you he really wants you on this movie,
2: right? Michael Jack White is.
3: Okay, cool. So and, and where, point, what type of attitude do you have, Gary? You kinda like Is he kidding me? I jumped through this. Oh phone. no, you know Mike.
2: Mike ain't wanted to BS. Mike ain't wanted to BS. You know, and, and I'm glad it was on the phone because you can't say no to Mike in person,
4: by the way. <laughs> 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 He's Kevin But But I
2: knew I was gonna I didn't have to read the script. He goes, I'm gonna send you the script and let me know if you want to do it. I already knew I was gonna say yes. Right. I right. already knew it. hmm. Um so I read it. And then, like I said, it wasn't a lot of funny parts in it like that. And um, he just said, you know, I just want you to be you make it yours. I called, I talked to the director. We had lunch. He gave me, you know, he gave me his blessing. Like, dude, make it yours, make it funny. We'll do, we'll do a take according to the script, but we're going to do takes where you can just do what you want. Right. And the cool part about this movie is every day, you sit in the makeup trailer and usually when you're in the makeup trailer, it's early, you know, your energy's low and you're just trying to, you know, you're kind of reading the script by yourself every time me and Michael had a scene together, which most of our scenes were together. Cause it's like a, it's like a buddy, but it's like a rush hour It is. A, it is. And, um, and he always would like sit back and we'd read lines together and we'd go over the scene. And so by the time we went to shoot and block, we had our own version and give all credit to Dallas Jackson, the director. He was like, yeah, let's do it. And even Mike said, he goes, I'm telling him, I go, I go, Hey, I thanked him. Like, dude, thanks for, um, thanks for giving me some leeway and doing this. And he goes, he goes, nah, because I'm just happy. I can, I'm giving you suggestions on jokes and you're using them. <laughs> I was like, well, I didn't think about that. <laughs> that's, that's so beautiful. It, it was crazy because in Mike's mind, he was like, yo, I can't believe Gary Owen just used one of my jokes. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's was, what I'm saying. It was, it was his movie. So yeah. I was like, yeah, let me, I'll, I like to be collaborative. So I was like, yeah, you, you know the character and everything. So it was just, it was so fun work with him and, and, you know, to, to just to be wanted like that. I never had that experience to be a lead. I mean, yeah, I think like a man was great, but that was such a big ensemble and there were so many good people. But just the fact that out of everyone in the business, Mike was like, yo, I want Gary. And he really fought for me to be in the movie.
3: Well, you know, let let, let everybody know. First of all, it's a really good movie. And you're very funny. And Michael's very athletic. And he kicks butt. I'm trying to figure out how this guy is kicking butt. Looking the way he's looking at his age, but he looks amazing, <laughs> he looks very limber, as they say. But he really is a starring role for you in this because of the fact that you're more than just a comedy relief, they come to you in strategic moments in the movie to move the story along. And that's 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 when it becomes I've, they've really given me an opportunity because if you blow that move the story along part or doesn't have credibility, then guess what? The story doesn't flow, and the story does flow. It's a really, really good movie,
2: yeah. Yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Well,
3: it's coming out on uh, September 29th, uh, available on uh, digital and uh, DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, Welcome to Southern Death. Gary on, amen. Hey, and man. Netflix. And Netflix as well uh, uh, You know Dallas Jackson's director Starring my man Michael Jaw White uh, Gary Thank you for the time man This is really uh, I Hopefully you don't mind Coming back on the show again uh, First time I've talked to you In person I've seen you And we've met each other Many times To the side I shook hands Adapt But you're really special man And I really respect What you've accomplished And will accomplish In this business And keep winning Anytime you want to Promote anything Your podcast I got a million Social media follows I got a, a, a fan Email fan list Of every Wednesday I send out like 90000 and social media, I mean, fan club followers. I'll promote you, brother. T-shirts, face masks, whatever you got. When you come to the town, let me nice. know. Okay? I appreciate you. Thank you, man. Thank you, Gary. Right, thank you, man. Thanks right. for having me. All, All right. right. Mm-hmm. My next guest never thought she'd become an entrepreneur. But once she had an idea, she put together a plan together and set a budget and went for it. She never, she has never looked back. Uh, My guest invented the Prima fabric, which is antibacterial sweat, don't smell fabric. She launched a sale, uh, which I had to be a part of. We're going to talk about that in the middle of our interview. She launched a sale lifestyle in August of 2019 with men's and men and women's shirts made out of this proprietary fabric. She always, she basically, she always knew there were going to be more applications for the fabric. But you always want to launch with your original, original idea. You always want to put your work into the idea. Make sure that don't just jump out there. I got a thousand ideas. She focused on that one idea, and when the pandemic hit, man, oh man, did she pivot! Her company has sold over four hundred thousand facial masks during the pandemic. She's on the show to talk about her making that right business decision at the right time during the pandemic and before the pandemic. Please welcome the Money Making Conversation. My dear friend, I call her dear friend. I've been known this since 2017. I remember when. See, I'm, a, I'm a one of those I remember <laughs> when friends, okay? Please welcome Megan Edding. <laughs> ah,
0: Rashawn, thank you, thank you. We're over here smiling. You're right. I mean, we are friends and yeah, 2017 is when I first officially met you for the first business competition I ever entered, and a friendship was born pretty much that day.
3: Absolutely, and you won it, by the way. Let's go. Let's go add the other part of that. I believe they the the winning first prize was like what ten thousand dollars, something like that. Was it? It was
0: ten thousand dollars. Yeah, we won. Uh, Mayor Turner has a new business competition here in Houston, and I won Houston's best new product and uh, fan favorite and. $10,000, which Lord knows I needed.
3: Well, we all need money, and we all need money yeah. to start a business. <laughs> and what, when you want it, what was your first thought? Because you get in the competition, and you say, wow, I have a good idea. What was the whole process of um, preparing for that competition as we evolved to moving forward into 2020, as you are now a multi-tiered uh, business that is really, um, I guess one could say, Saw the facial mass market before a lot of people saw the facial mass market because it is a global industry now. But you stepped in with a, pra- a fabric that, that works now and also feel, makes people feel safe now as well. But let's talk about it in the beginning in 2017. You ended this contest. First prize was $10,000. I was hosting it. Mayor Sylvester Turner was talking They had other people who were success stories as judges on the panel. Talk about that whole experience.
0: Yeah, it was wild. Well, that that uh new business competition in 2017, um I my fabric wasn't even like I didn't even submit it to get patented yet. I was still in the de- design phase, like working on it for about a year, but I thought, you know, let's go into this competition because not only is it a, a competition which I love to win, you actually learn a lot. I had never owned a business before, so you have to attend, you know, all these classes every two weeks, um you have to apply to get into the competition. And so the learning experience of just how to start your own company was amazing. And just obviously the connections that I made. Uh, But it's interesting. That was the first one I ever entered. And the word that I really started carrying around after that competition was confidence Mm -hmm. because all my close circle, my friends, my family, you know, people that I know like Meg, great idea, great idea. But this was a panel of people I didn't even know that chose me as first place for my product. So I thought, okay, I'm onto something. And that's when like, I was really like confident after that. Just keep going for it. Well, you know,
3: the thing about it is that I can remember I was the judge. I was not the judge. I was one of the hosts and I got to see everybody's presentation. So I wasn't surprised that you won because you were, you, you were introducing the concept uh, that was, uh, I felt ahead of his time. Who doesn't, who doesn't sweat and to go Wow and lift up their arm and go, Ooh, that's pretty bad. I don't, <laughs> know, I don't want anybody hugging me today. And and you were introducing the fabric that I felt people needed and people would wear. And so fast forward from 2017, then you launched your in 2019, you actually launched your product and the name was a sale. How did you come up with the name of sale? A-C-C-E-L, it's A-C-C-E-L-L, right? Or uh, E-L. Uh, A-C-C-E-L and okay. then
0: lifestyle. And yeah, it comes from, so chemistry is my background and my husband He's not like legally part of the business, but he's married. So we're married. So therefore, he's kind of part of
3: it. <laughs> I, <laughs> saw, his I saw background, him carrying a uh, cloth in the, in the, in the video news. So that's right. That, yeah, that was. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> he to say he's not on the LLC, but he's definitely, you know, part of the team. Um, but so he majored in physics. That's his background. We literally, we're just sitting on the couch. And I wanted to think of a word to name the company that definitely had like a science kind of a science feel, um, because, of course, it is prepar- you know proprietary fabric. But I also wanted to be a word that was positive, like a positive, empowering, you know, empowering feel as well. So we just, and this didn't just happen in one night, basically, you know, wrote out gosh, 80 words roughly and kind of went through them and Excel was short for the word accelerate. So accelerate wow. is obviously like, you know, kind of like a physics science word and then um, short to Excel and just like accelerate your life, your health, your happiness, giving back, you know, all that positive stuff um, is what the word Excel represents.
3: And really, because I remember that when it was launching, I remember I was part of your little um, brain trust. You had little quotes, yeah. ideas. You were showing what do you think about this? What about what do you think about this? And I throw back ideas, and you know, because that's what you have to do. You can't be the smartest person in the room, and and you have to have people who not trying to invest. That I try. If I give you that idea, you owe me five percent, or you owe me hundred dollars. You have to have people who just believe in you so much they're willing to help you out and that's or mentors that are professionals who understand the value of relationships and partnerships that it does has nothing has nothing to do with equity it's about supporting someone so you have a very strong support group tell us about it
0: i do i, I say like i've you know excel been successful and i work my butt off um but i also know what my skill sets are and are not and i am super blessed and Rashawn, you're part of that circle i mean like The amount of people that I never knew before I started this entrepreneurial journey that have since come forward, you know, I've I've just met on this journey that have given me advice and, you know, their expertise and, you know, some of it's kind of hard to hear, but that those those people I want to listen to, Um, it's just been unbelievable. The relationships that uh, I have formed both on a friendship level and on a business level with just people with these awesome expertises that I don't have, and they've just been willing to share
3: and uh tell us about about your the 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 patented product that you brought to the the, to the stage i uh, i want to make sure before we get into the mask let's talk about that product that you patented that
4: yeah
0: actually it's funny how it's gonna lead into the mask so basically my husband and i we got married five years ago he's into fitness we've always been into fitness i live in houston everyone's sweating all the time even in the dead of winter as you know yes and (laughs) so we got married i'm like man started doing his laundry, you know, not that I don't do all the quote unquote wifely duties, but I was doing his laundry. Right. Mind right. you, he does, his, he, does, he does his own now. Let's put that out there. But, um, <laughs> and I was like, man, I'm like these workout clothes still stink. And I have brothers back home in Rhode Island. So we all kind of know that smell. Like when the, when the, you know, kind of musty mildewy, like BO smell that you just can't seem to wash out. And so I never thought I'd be an entrepreneur, but you know, chemistry is my background. And so I just kind of put my science hat back on and started figuring out why your clothes stink. And to make a long story short, your clothes stink because bacteria gets trapped in the fabric. So when I was launching my company last year, basically I was like, all right, you sweat as much as you want and it won't smell and it's antibacterial. And it's funny, no one, and I tried in marketing and I'm putting it out there. I'm like, you know, I'm just going to focus on the, you know, the sweat don't smell Because the antibacterial, I'm not doing a good job, you know, getting that out there and what that really means. It's actually disgusting that your clothes are holding on to bacteria. But no one really seems to care about that aspect until March of 2020.
3: (laughs) Mm, 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 mm. March of 2020. Here is the key for me and my relationship with Megan. I'm watching TV. I live in Houston. I tell people all the time I also live in Atlanta. And so I'm watching uh, the local news and there is a commercial and I tell my wife, I, say, I know her. I know her. That's, that's Megan. She's, done about, she's been on my show. Money Conversation. And they are discussing how you was now suddenly going to manufacture masks of a need. And I, I believe I text you. I said, girl, you are owning mm-hmm. something you're about to blow up. First of all, you were magnetic. You know, you're just amazing doing the interview. You, you know, you know how to articulate in, in a very comfortable manner who you are and what you're trying to do. Uh, you have a high degree of sincerity. All those qualities make sense when you're trying to launch a new product, especially when people didn't really understand the need to wear a mask because White House was sending out mixed signals and Texas, you know, you know, we're in the don't mess with Texas state where they can get mad if you tell them what to do. And then. Sure. so But You said I'ma do this. What 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 triggered you? What 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 triggered you and what triggered you to do it right? Because there was some other people who tried to do the mask thing. They they ship stuff out there and then people ordered their fifteen masks and then they out. They sold out. What made mm-hmm. you make a full commitment to it? Let's talk.
0: You know, I'm gonna, I wasn't 100% sure it was going to work, but it just, it felt right. I prayed about it. I mean, basically March 20th was a Friday. I woke up like, just like any other day. I go to my couch, you know, working from home at the time, start working in my consultant in New Jersey. She's like, hey, Meg, um, you know, she's up in, in the point, you know, Jersey and New York. Where yeah, they were pretty hard. She's like, mm-hmm. yeah, she's like, Meg, she's like healthcare workers and her sister's a nurse. And she's like, healthcare workers are running out of face masks. What about turning your prima fabric into face masks? And immediately when she, I remember the feeling immediately when she said it, I'm like, holy, you know what, right. you know, it was always important to me to have this fabric sourced and made here in the States. So I had a bunch of fabric here in Houston. And I had a bunch of fabric out in my factory in LA. I knew nothing about a pattern for a face mask, but I figured like, okay, we can figure it out. So I just kind of went balls to the wall because it felt right. And within 24 hours, we had a prototype. I had 25 local sewers lined up in Houston because I already had fabric here. Uh, and then Monday morning, like three days later, I went to all the hospitals in the Houston medical center and dropped off samples of our masks and then crick- crickets. I'm telling you crickets for like four days. Um, none of the, I thought the hospitals would be so excited, which they were excited, but no one was like placing an order. So I told all my local sewers, I'm like, Hey, don't start sewing anything yet. Cause as a business owner, the last thing you want to have is inventory. You know, there might have been a fluke about masks. I'm like, we're going to sit on this fabric until somebody places a large order. And fast forward to like 4 a.m. Thursday morning. No one had placed an order yet. I tell you something woke me up in the middle of the night at 4 a.m. And I call it God. People call it whatever they want. And all it said is start making masks. And I woke up that morning, leaned over my husband said, I know we haven't gotten an order yet, but I just heard from God to start making masks. So we're starting making masks today. He's like, you sure? I'm like, one, I told my mom, I told my team, like, Megan, are you sure? You know, this this is a big inventory investment, you know, whatever. I'm like, nah, we're doing it. It was crystal clear. The next day we got an order for 9,000 masks from Houston Methodist and 14,000 masks from a, a local company. And after that, it was just, it was, we just, we just scaled quickly.
3: And I think I think you reached. Out, we, I reached out to you, and then I dropped your mask uh, in my um, newsletter. Uh, no, you to, did. Yeah, It yeah, went out to like ninety thousand of my fan club members, and then you and you were so excited. You put it into your uh, LinkedIn feed.
0: <laughs> I did. I did. I, I yeah. I mean, I love Rashawn. I love supporting you since day one, and you support. You know, we just support each other. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, in our community, and we and we believe that you know everyone can be successful, and you right. know, you've got to like support them and. Yeah, just go for it. But yeah, and it's funny, that picture that you posted, so of course, this happened so quickly and everyone's quarantined. So that picture was taken in my my bedroom with my husband. We did a selfie and then kind of like tried to like make it fancy or whatever. But it's just funny how you just, you just make it work.
3: You're listening to Money Making Conversations with Rashawn McDonald. We'll be right back. Cars today are like a computer on wheels, but you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need CarShield. Shield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable and as low as $99 a month. No long-term contracts or commitment. Plus, you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24/7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield is America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands. Call 1-800-CAR-6000. They mention code money M-O-N-E-Y, or visit CarShield.com and use code money M-O-N-E-Y to save. Save ten percent. That's carshield.com. Code money. A deductible may apply. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. This what I love about you in general. I just love your personality. Anytime I could just text you something, like I said, when, when I saw you on TV, I went, girl, you about to blow up. You This is amazing. Hey. You better get ready. You went, I hope so. I said, no, don't worry about it. You about to ride. I, I'm a promoter. I, I I know when I see greatness. I know when I see something Aww. that feels good, that feels needy, the sincerity, and everything was just timing itself just right. But the key in this conversation was that Rashawn. I was based in Houston. The information I got to move forward came from another part of the country in the New York, mm-hmm. New Jersey area. If you was waiting mm-hmm. to make a decision in New, in Houston, that may have never happened. But you followed right. the information source. An information source said, "Hey, it might not be bad as it is what you think it is," but in New York. We're on fire with Mm COVID-19, running out of everything, masks, ventilators, everything. And then you had to follow up on your willingness to trust yourself. Mm -hmm. That's when you woke up and said, "I, I feel the time is right. And yep. then it would ju- it just took off when you when you use when you say the word took off. When, that's why when I sent the when I when you sent me that order, I, I just told my staff I said make up some type of make up some type of ad. And let's put it in the newsletter, make it look good, and uh-huh. and it was the most clicked It was at the bottom of the newsletter. It was at, and my newsletters are long. If anybody's registered for moneymakingconversation.com dot the fan club, no, but they're awesome long. Yeah, I, and, I'm registered. Yeah, uh, and, and and she was at the bottom. Not because I wanted to put it at the bottom. She was the most clicked item. In the newsletter, the most clicked that's item right. in the newsletter, and so that let me know right there. I went, she's owning something. She's at the bottom at the newsletter, and people going way down there because of the good content. But when they get down there, they go, that's right, wow, click, click click and then you start different packages and and I I remember I told her I said you need to put some logos or something. Well, Rishon, mm-hmm. let me let me try to I got let me let me work on this problem. Let me let me get the mask out before you no, start pitching new ideas. Before you start pitching new
0: ideas. We just shut up. Shut up.
3: And then you came back, We Sean. I got the logos, I got
0: the kids. Yeah we, we got the logo, we got the kids, then <laughs> last Friday one hundred thousand literally fifty thousand white, fifty thousand black labels showed up for us to sew onto our masks.
3: Wow. So now, now this is such a journey. Now, uh, one of the questions is, how do you go from selling T-shirts and tank tops to selling over 400,000 face masks and being on contract with the Marines, U.S. Navy and Navy SEALs? Tell us
0: about that. You know, the process was actually the exact same. So because I'd already gone through the process from making a T-shirt and the patterns and, you know, sewing and understanding, you know, enough to be dangerous with all that, actually <laughs> creating the masks wasn't that difficult. Um, the one word that I have in all, like Megan, how did this happen? How did this happen? You know, is relationships, literally relationships. So like the new, like over a hundred thousand of our masks have been already sold and shipped to the Marines, the Navy SEALs, and the Navy. And now we're actually working on custom clothing for the Navy SEALs using my fabric because of this. And the only way that happened is I'm on some uh, business group here in Houston. And one of the ladies in the group, super nice, she volunteers her time and mentors uh, people in the military. Right. I mean, and so she hit me up like, you know, week three of Corona. She said, hey, a buddy of mine in the Navy, a supply chain guy looking for face masks. They can't find any. Can you take care of them? And I'm like, well, you know, let me know. And now at this point, I don't, I don't, he shipped out like 20,000 masks. And he's like, yeah, so we need 50,000 face masks in the next seven days. I'm like, okay, let me make some phone calls. So I had 50,000 face masks shipped to him in the next six days. Um, and then that just spread like wild fr- you know, fires throughout the military. And that's how we got the other contracts. Um, but yeah, now we're talking about, you know, isolation gowns, gloves, like all sorts of PPE that the military just can't seem to get. But because I was able to deliver and deliver early and quality products for the masks early on, now my foot's in the door i'm almost it's been gone. nuts it's, <laughs> it's been i'm even talking about it i'm like oh! yeah
3: you know uh-huh. okay I'm, I'm amazed you're talking to me today during this interview i, I know i i feel blessed that i'm actually allowed being allowed to hear your story oh my god like, it's oh,
0: it's always a pleasure talking to you and you know when you guys reached out and i'm like heck yeah let's get it on the calendar yes please thank you
3: and so so now what makes your mask work? We have a lot of competition out there. What do you feel mm-hmm. makes your mask work? And and why do you, because you, now you have the, for children, you have masks for children. Mm-hmm. So there's a difference between a mask for an adult and a mask for a child. So what, yeah. what, 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 what do people come back to you and say about your mask?
0: Breathable. It's funny. So antibacterial is the reason people are really buying it um, just because it is a cleaner fabric. Mm-hmm. But then the feedback that I'm getting that compared to other masks is breathable. A lot of masks out there today, especially in the summertime, or if you're a teacher, and you have to wear a mask all day, or if you're at work, it's just not breathable. Right. Um, and your face gets really hot and sweaty. So not only are it antibacterial, um, even after you wash it, you know, it's reusable. Even after you wash it a hundred times, it's still 98% antibacterial. No bacteria is going to get in that fabric. So it's clean. It protects you from Corona as long as you're wearing the mask and then breathable. Um, we started with adult masks, as you know, and then people kept reaching out for kids. Right. And I just thought, oh, you know, if, if there's a consumer there that the credit card's working, I'll create anything <laughs> as long as it's aligned <laughs> with my morals and ethics. Absolutely. So we then, you know, we then launched some kids masks. And, um, yeah, it's just a cleaner, safer Option than a lot of masks that are out there today.
3: You know, you know, because you know, I, I always go to your probably a couple of times a month. I always go to your timeline, so you, and just to see what good you are doing in the community. Because that's what I really do love about you, Megan. Is that you give back, and um, you know, your success is not something to translate into a selfish option of how much I can do for myself. But I've seen you donate masks, and I don't want to give away your story. Tell us something good that being successful, being able to pivot in the pandemic, and sell masks you've not forgotten about helping other people tell us about that side of you
0: yeah thank you i mean it's and that's the thing like you know to grow a, a business and then it's successful i mean whatever someone deems that successful and then be able to give back on a greater scale that's the stuff that gets me going um i love it so i uh let's see we've donated thousands of masks to homeless shelters to hospitals um to Police, basically what I did is at the time I was I had eight people, I have more now, but there were eight people working for me full time. Mm-hmm. And so I gave them all like a whole, we, I had them individually patch, pack every single mask. And then they were tasked over the next few days to choose any nonprofit they wanted to give those masks to. I said, but the key is it has to be someone that could really use it. I mean, like this could be like life changing for their industry, for their health, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So to see people, you know, and I empowered them, my team, to go out. I didn't just tell them like, "Yo, here's a nonprofit I want to donate to." I did my own, but it was wonderful to see the team build it, like, like empower them to go out and give back. Um, I started a scholarship. So I'm born and raised, as you know, uh, Rhode Island, it's a very small town. And I remember when I was in high school, I got a like a CVS scholarship for 500 bucks. Right. And I'll never forget it. It was like it was like, I want a million dollars, like 500 bucks. I'm like, Holy smokes. And so I, uh, formed two Excel lifestyle scholarships that I'll do every year. um, God willing for 2,500 bucks for a young female, 2,500 bucks for a young male. And the two stipulations are, they have to be going to school for something in the science, math, technology, or engineering, and they have to have um, a passion for giving back. So it was really cool that, uh, You know, this is the first year I was able to give a a scholarship um, to, to, you know, deserving, you know, young adults. And, you know, just to see how that made them, you know, feel and hopefully lessen their stress level as they go into college.
3: Well, we know I have an endowment at the University of Houston, and um, I know that eight hundred dollars is cool. But it really doesn't do anything for you. You do when you start getting into that number that you're trying to do, it makes a difference for a student. And I'm and I'm not slamming anybody. I'm just saying that mm. every little bit helps. Let's let's put it that that's way. That's right. And uh, and for you to take your time and remember and uh, coming from that big old state of Rhode Island, you, yeah, that's right. You know, when when you think about it, you know, because uh, University of Virginia, that's where you went to college, at, right? That is. Cool. Yeah. And um, chemistry was your degree plan you got it and so you yep. go to houston and um you're living down there you just a, every day from nine to five person never mm-hmm. even thought about being an entrepreneur and now you are a not only an entrepreneur but you are an empowered female entrepreneur you're a leader what responsibility comes with that megan cool that's a
0: good question what responsibility, uh, so there's the responsibility I put on myself, and right. then there's probably the perceived responsibility that I'm expecting from the culture and community or whatever. So right. I would say the biggest responsibility that, I, wow, I've never been asked that question before. Good question, Rashawn. Well, is I got to make sure that what I, I got to make sure the biggest responsibility is probably, you know, besides business, you know, make sure the cash flow is there, inventory, dot, mm-hmm. dot, dot, on a global perspective. The biggest responsibility I have is that when I'm out there saying I'm trying to do with my company to empower, to motivate, to encourage, no matter what the product is I'm selling, is that everyone on my team feels that and that my, uh, that the customers and the community of my company feel that as well. Right. So people can say things all day long, like, oh, I, I have a company that's, you know, doing good for the community and positive and uplifting. But if I don't live that life on a daily basis and that's the way my team and I project our mission of our company then that I'm not doing my job I say that's the biggest responsibility that I put on myself period
3: and the, the reason that's I good, say that because question. the reason I say that because you know as as a um we live in the era of disbelief no that's not true she can do that you're an attractive person mm-hmm. you're, you're small and some people tend to want to believe you know so people who look a certain way can't accomplish certain things. And mm-hmm. and you're doing it. You're doing it your your, mm-hmm. your your own way. You're still putting family first. You're still putting God first. You still have a clear understanding mm-hmm. of the community. Be responsible with the community is important to you. I'm speaking to Megan Eaton. She has an incredible fabric, sweat don't smell fabric that has, uh, I, I like to say, turn the face, facial mask business upside down because you're one of the first independent like i said the big corporations are in it now okay nike you all anybody who's, they're all out there you can see you see commercials on tv you go your know, ads in the tv but i call you an independent you one of the people who, mm-hmm. a local independent who's competing with these big boys who have commercials of programmatic social media ads ads on tv print ads so you expect them to win with that, you know, and it's really funny because you came in the athletic field, which you already knew that that lifestyle where it was going to be competitive and you came mm-hmm. in basically behind because they all got the shelves filled. They already out in the front mm-hmm. of the line. You're trying to tell everybody. So you uh, the pandemic allowed you to pivot into an industry where your tenacity, your hard work, your innovative thought process kind of started at the same time. So it really gave you a feeling that you can compete, not saying you weren't competing when you was out there with the lifestyle, but being able to start out at the gate and everybody said go at the same time. It really gave you an opportunity to really show your skiffs that God gave you. Correct.
0: You are exactly right. And so I always like, how'd you get so successful with the math? You know, there's a bunch of things timing because, and I remember saying like the first month of the pandemic, OK, if I can already be on the contract with military and, you know, how, like Houston mm-hmm. Methodist now purchased 44,000, Like, if I can do this, why aren't the other companies doing this that have the supply chain? Like, why aren't they doing it? And then I kind of stopped asking myself that question and said, well, they're not doing it. That's all that matters. And so because I came out of the gate first and, right. you know, media, TV, et cetera, picked that story up, Yes, that's why we just came out first and kind of set the groundwork. And then we started to see other companies trickling in, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, now everyone's making a face mask. Um, but one of the benefits, and I tell everybody this, is that, you know, we had an idea and we just took a risk. You know, I didn't make a hundred thousand face masks hoping for a, a buyer. I mean, for the most part, I, I had buyers way before I even like could fulfill the orders <laughs> right, quickly right, order. Right, right, right. I just, I took the risk. I took the risk and put myself out there and, um. And that's what I tell everyone to do. Like, don't wait around for someone else to do it because that's going to be too late. Like, just put it out there. You don't have to put it out there in a huge fashion, but just put something out there um, and then just go for it. Because a huge benefit is because we came out of the gate first.
3: And that's really important that you were courageous enough. And, I, you know, I always tell people uh, being an entrepreneur and being you can't be afraid of making a mistake. You can't be afraid of, mm-hmm. uh, of waking up sometimes. A lot of people fear. Fear failure. And this is uh-huh. one of those really unique moments where, you know, the perfect storm where you want, you know, something I'm going to go for it because I, I the right instincts make sense. And especially with your mask is because it's important because now you used to see people, you know, they mask, they take the mask off, especially on the news. Now they keep the mask on. So it's important now uh-huh. where I've learned how to be able to talk with a mask on. Because that's the lifestyle that we are going to live in, because Dr. Anthony Fauci stated COVID-19 is not going anywhere. If you expect to be hugging people you don't know, high-fiving people you don't know, dapping people you don't know in 2021 or 2022, that's not going to happen. The way we Mm -hmm. have lived our lives will never be the same. So you are at the at the at the stage of an industry I feel is not going anywhere. It's just how long, how do you build it and how do you hold on to it? How do you hold on to it and maintain and sustain growth in this, in this, I guess we'll just say this growing facial mask industry?
0: Sure. I mean, you you got to always keep it fresh. Um, actually, I have a creative session with my team tomorrow. So right now, as far as adult masks, we've only been doing black and white. Right. So we're, you know, coming into the holidays, Halloween, we're going to start offering some graphics sure, on the adult I love it mm-hmm. um, yeah. And we, we got to always stay fresh. So I'm, um, I'm branching even outside of face masks, uh, getting into isolation gowns and other, you know, hot needed PPE items. So mm-hmm. the way to like, stay the way to stay relevant is just always have, and you know, this from your background is just have material that people want to see and products that people want to buy. And so mm-hmm. masks are one thing. And that's, definitely getting more of a crowded space, you know, full disclosure, like now everyone's selling a mask. Right. So because my foot's already in the door with some universities, the military hospitals, I'm now creating other products um, that I know they need and want. And uh, so I started another company um, called Accel Protect, Mm -hmm. where we're getting a purchase order this week for 30,000 isolation gowns from a huge hospital system up in the Dallas area. And um, I just filed for that design patent last Friday. So I, it's now patent pending for my new isolation gown uh, design. And so we're getting into gowns as well. So you got to always just not be afraid to pivot, not be afraid to fail. But um, if it feels right, just keep doing it.
3: My dear. She's my friend. Made her in 2017, I always I would like to say she's my first uh, You know, you, I started Money Making Conversations In May of 2017 She was one of my first guests on my show In the fall of that year, and I just Love the growth of my show and my brand And watching the growth of her brand And watching it pivot, and I, I You know, I, I have to say this honest I love you to death, Megan Edding And I appreciate you, and I will Support you, and uh, send, always Send me links, I will support you on my social Media, I will support you on my my podcast, and my syndicated radio show, in my newsletter. I believe in you, and don't change, and keep mm. winning because uh, you are very, very, very special, and you're a testament to hard work and also trusting your natural instinct because that's how you win. You have yeah. to one day wake up and go, it's on me. I believe in me. Let's move forward.
0: That's right. And if you don't, if you don't believe in it yourself, one hundred percent, like just chant like, I don't know. I say to myself, confidence, confidence, confidence. I actually say that out loud. I mean, no one's 100% confident. We all have times where we're like, you know, feeling a little insecure for whatever. But you got to coach yourself. Just push through it. And uh, Rashawn, I love you too. I mean, you're one of my biggest supporters. I'm one of your biggest supporters. Mm -hmm. You've clearly blown up uh, (laughs) since 2017. I mean, you're like all over the world. I heart radio. Like you're everywhere. So Whatever I can do to continue supporting you, you know I'll do.
3: Well, we know when those October masks come out, let Rashawn know so I can put it on my social media and we can keep winning together as friends. All right. Keep winning. Uh,
0: Thank you, Rashawn.
3: All right. Tell your husband hi and tell the family hi down there. Now, tell them I support you and believe in everything you guys are doing now and keep giving good service to the community. Okay, Megan.
0: Thank you, Rashawn.
3: Okay, I appreciate you. Bye bye. We'll be right back with more from Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. Organ
5: donations save lives, and some organs can even be donated by a living donor. August is National Minority Donor Awareness Month, so let's check in with Dr. Danae Simpson, Assistant Professor of Surgery at Northwestern Medicine. Tell us about the African American Transplant Access Program.
4: So this is my baby. This is a program that I have dreamt about creating since I became interested in transplant as a trainee, and it's a program designed to address the significant disparities that our African-American patients face. The program is designed to educate patients about transplant, let them know what transplant can provide to them, and to help them access the resources that they find so scarce and so challenging to access in order to get them on the transplant path and back to, you know, some type of meaningful life. For more information, visit
3: nm.org slash radio. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. My next guest. N-R-J. We're going to just start out with the initial first. N-R-J. That's Nicole (laughs) Roberts-Jones. Is uniquely gifted at one thing, drawing out what's best in you and helping you take your brilliance to the bank. That's B-A-N-K bank, not fishing bank, to the bank. A veteran of the entertainment industry, Nicole worked in talent management and casting before shifting her talents to help others bankroll their brilliance. She now works with entrepreneurs to create multiple streams of income. You hear me talk about that all the time on the show. From what they already know in order to build an empire from their expertise. Women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs and the number of business owned by black women has grown by stunning 164% according to the federal reserves. Please welcome. Woo, she's here to talk about banking that brilliance to the bank, expertise, entrepreneurship. Please welcome the money making conversation NRJ that's Nicole Roberts-Jones. <laughs> How can I not be excited to be here after all of that energy? I beyond. I'm I'm going to try to keep myself, you know, contained, though. So excited you're, to be here to talk to you. You're not going to keep yourself contained. First of all, what city are you calling from? So we can find out. I <laughs> live in Boston. I'm from Los Angeles, Ooh, but I live Boston. in Boston. So that's where I am now. Yes. What keeps you in Boston? What, what's going on in Boston? Family? What's going on in Boston?
6: Yeah, my husband got a job here. So I do what I do from wherever. So, yes, he yeah. is the reason why we moved to Massachusetts. Okay. Mm-hmm cool. That's all good. That's all good. <laughs> just, just trying to lay, I try
3: to figure out where this little bundle of energy and inspiration is residing at. So you way up there, way up there in mm-hmm. Boston. I've been to Boston a couple of times in my career. Very familiar right. with that landscape up there. Um the interesting thing about you as a talent, okay, mm-hmm. you, you established your brand in Los Angeles. I'm assuming that's what talent yeah. management and casting. Let's talk about that, that early journey. And and we'll move up to the Because our paths
6: probably crossed because I've worked in comedy for years, Mm -hmm. and we could talk probably for the next hour about that. But yes, so I started um, really (laughs) my dream since I was eight years old was to work in entertainment. Why? Start right there. Start right there. How? How? 88 years old. How? (laughs) Yes, so literally, I, I got to the place I dreamed of, and something felt like it was missing. And so that, in essence, long story short, is how I came to do this work I'm doing now. I started to really look at how could I be doing the thing I dream of? And I loved it. Don't get me wrong. I didn't hate any part of it, mm-hmm. but it just felt like there was more for me to do. Mm-hmm. And so that is how I shifted over. I started this over 27 years ago, even though I'm only 28. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I shifted <laughs> into hey, really you, learning. Hey, stop it. right
3: there. See, you didn't even <laughs> listen to my intro. Money Making Conversation interviews will encourage you to leave with your gifts and never yeah. use age as an excuse when planning your exactly.
4: goals exactly i Our tell degree.
3: everybody I, you, you, Our degree. Uh, you mm-hmm. cannot lie that uh, you, you know mm-hmm. it's for some reason life as you as you know you know people talk about they don't want to turn 30 always 29 don't want to turn 40 right. always 39 but you mm-hmm. cannot accomplish
6: anything in life
3: unless you get older and exactly. And
6: I'm look and
5: I'm
3: 50 and I'm
6: seasoned there because it's only the See, dishes now, that now marinade about to get that because she's a good <laughs> looking, a good looking 50. See,
3: I would have never known 50 pop out yes. of my mind. But that lets me know talking to a person with experience. Yeah. and Let me know yes. that because, you know, to be successful, there's, there's mm-hmm. a certain degree of honesty that has to be laid out there, especially when you're telling exactly. people about multiple streams of income. Mm -hmm, Because mm -hmm. everybody wants that. Everybody wants to understand how they can be a part of that opportunity. But you have to have experience. You have to create a track record and you have to surround yourself with people who believe in your passion and turn Mm -hmm. that passion into economic opportunity. You cannot do that if you're 19 years old all your life. I'm sorry.
6: Yeah. And then the, it starts with getting clear. Mm-hmm. So when I just told you that I had an epiphany moment in 1993, epiphany moment at the time I was working on the hottest TV show on Fox, right? Mm-hmm. Had an epiphany moment. Mm-hmm. And every girlfriend that I talked to kept saying, girl, are you crazy? Do you realize we went to this red carpet event and we went to this premiere? Mm-hmm. Are you crazy? Mm-hmm. But something inside of me knew there was more. Right. And so I'm sharing that because that more, is not about money. It's about making a difference. And when you make difference, money comes. And so what I began to look at is what is this thing rumbling inside of me? Now, at the time I was 23 years old, I had no I know, no life experience, but right. I knew that something was calling me into another level of me. Mm-hmm. And so it took an introspective look. Many of us look for an outside answer to an inside yearning. And so I stopped looking for outside answers and I started spending time with me started getting closer to God and really looking at what is it that you have me on this earth to do? And that shifted
3: everything. Mm-hmm. Now, you got to tell me, what was the name of that TV show? Because people going to go, what was the name <laughs> of the TV you, can't, you cannot do this interview and say, I was on the hottest TV show. And 30 minutes later, we hadn't even mentioned the show. What was the name of that show? So, yes.
6: So, I worked in casting on The Martin Show. There you go. did that, that for <laughs> four years. I worked on Deaf Comedy Jam. I worked with uh, Simmons Latham, uh oh, yeah. Gray, mm-hmm. which is where I passed, probably crossed SLBG so Entertainment. Mm-hmm. So, um, worked for some pretty great, li- listen, Stan Latham is still my all-time
3: favorite boss Thank
4: right you. that's my boy and so I, 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 Stan right, Latham right. did our
3: first when Steve Harvey and I went to television you know Stan mm-hmm. Latham has always been uh good to me as a as a yeah. mentor or a person I see and I just stop and have to hug it you know mm-hmm. in fact I saw him last mm-hmm. uh, at the at the uh, Holly Robinson Pete uh annual uh f- foundation fundraiser I so I right. got a picture, took a picture with him. I said, brother, I got to take a picture <laughs> with you.
6: Love me some Stan later. Like uh, Stan was the absolute best boss. And it was, it, it was while working with him that I had this epiphany. So it was really hard because Stan, again, when you work with Stan, mm-hmm. you feel like family. You don't feel like you're working a job. Right. Matter of fact, when I quit, Stan said, what can I do to have you stay? So mm-hmm. he made it hard for me to leave. Right. But I knew that there was more out there uh, waiting for me. Mm-hmm. And so that, in essence, had me leave my Hollywood dream. Now, don't get me wrong. I miss all the Hollywood parties.
5: Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah.
6: But what I'm doing more, I realize now I'm ta- I took the same exact things I was doing in casting and talent management. And now I help people actually manage their talent. Okay, cool. How do they take their gifts and talents and actually make money
3: from it? Okay, let's let's talk about this, this Hollywood life, you know, because I've lived that <laughs> Hollywood life. Yeah. Let's see see I'm talking to somebody. She, she's at the top of the crumbs. Okay. That, when you're <laughs> at the top of the crumbs. That's a different game when you walk on red right. carpets or people people know you can hire them. Girl, can you can you you got my picture? And so mm-hmm. what are some of the uh, the now famous or uh, uh, people or that you work with as far as talent Management, as far as casting, mm-hmm. over the years in that career. Before we move forward to the bankrolling your brilliance.
6: <laughs> so in casting, I work with Eileen uh, Knight didn't mean, Matt oh, Knight yes. she became Absolutely. to be known right so I worked on several Rock, Martin as I said I worked on um, Meteor Man guys you know how old I am so now you got my memory going I worked on Meteor Man I worked on several movies I can't even think that was of Robert all the Townsend movies movie,
3: I worked right? on. Meteor Man mm-hmm. right? exactly Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
6: And, and he had a, a TV show called Townsend Television I worked on that so I worked on several uh, TV on shows Fox. and several mm-hmm. movies yes. right mm-hmm. and and then when I left there when I went to work with Stan we managed many of the deaf comedy jam comedians so Bill Bellamy Joe Tory, Guy Tory. Um, Said you the entertainer. Um, and then I got to also work at, you know, like during the audition process for many other deaf comedy jam comedians. So, um, so I interface uh, Adele Givens, uh, Yvette Wilson. I'm like trying to remember all the names of the people that mm-hmm, we got mm-hmm. to uh, manage. Right. And mm-hmm, so really mm-hmm. having hand in their careers, shifting from mm-hmm. just comedy to doing movies and TV and stuff
3: yeah, like know, that. When he, you know, Rashawn I was struggling to get on deaf comedy jam because, you know, you probably <laughs> looked at my little video with and... uh, now nah, passed. Okay.
6: No, that Fine. was Bob Sumner. You know Bob. That was Bob Sumner, but I no, did help. I, and I interviewed Bob Sumner too. I said, Bob, <laughs> I'm tell you something. see, because see, I'm gonna tell
3: you a little side story about me. See, I started doing stand up comedy before, you know, I, I you no know, in the white game. You know, I was in the white comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, Jerry Seinfeld, all nice. that Bill Hicks and Dennis Leary. That was me. So when the mm-hmm. Def Janet Jeff Comedy Jam popped out, you know, they looked at me and go, Nah, you can't make black people laugh. Mm-hmm. They said that to me, and so I had to go to a black the black comedy competition in Oakland. Mm-hmm. make the finals and mm. then they went okay you can make uh black people laugh we good I lost it. Right. And I'm going to tell you, Ricky Harris. Mm-hmm. The black comedy,
6: and Ricky Harris was one of our clients, too. Black comedy. Mm-hmm. So when Guy Tory started uh, Fat Tuesdays at the comedy store, I was actually yes. on his team. So I would always say he would do the front end and I would do the back end because I managed the room for him. That was one of my last jobs right. um, mm-hmm. in comedy. And, you know, just there's so many talented people. But the, here's the thing if somebody needs to write this down. Whether you're in comedy or you are working at nine to five, the people that make it are the people that don't quit. Right. You know, Chadwick Bozeman just passed, right? right? Now, too long ago. And when you look at the fact that he had cancer for six or four of his last years of, uh, and the best movies he made was why he was fighting for cancer. How many people would quit and say I'm sick or I'm going through chemo, I can't do this. And so it's really the people that stay in it and don't give up. And I saw so many comedians that were funny, it just wasn't their time. It was the people that didn't give up, that, that were willing to risk it all, to gain it all, that literally made it to the big stage and that and they didn't compromise who they were now i'm gonna say this and somebody's gonna get me for saying this but one of the things that i didn't like about comedy is how everybody thought oh well bernie Mac is really funny and he's dirty so maybe i need to be dirty right. no that's who bernie Mac was right. so you're trying to be dirty because he's like that doesn't make you funny it makes you trying to be bernie Mac. and god didn't make you with the cookie cutter so why are you trying to copy somebody else's brilliance and make it your own
3: I agree 100, percent. and um, I it, it really interesting when you use the word dirty, uh, comedy mm-hmm. comic. They use vulgarity, and it, right. it's always see Bernie Mac. We uh, digress a little bit because I was I'm a <laughs> former stand up com- comedian. If you curse right. and your punchline ended with a curse word, then guess what? People always heard that curse word. OK. Yeah. Now, yep. I remember and I, I'm telling you, I, I was as salty as anybody on stage. And I, I remember people would come up to me and go, you really have a really good, clean act. I go, did they did they hear me? to hear me because of <laughs> right. how I just spoke and how I communicated. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the one thing that the gift that you really have, Nicole, is that you're a great communicator. You know, even yes. in this interview, I am I'm, 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 I'm I just want to talk to you. I just want to engage you and just, girl, what you doing? What you, come on over here. Let's talk. You know, <laughs> I could talk to you for a, a minute now because mm-hmm. you just have the, the right tools of conversation. You've been and told that many times, time. right?
6: Huh? Even a great comedian, all a great comedian is, is a storyteller. Mm -hmm. Even, dare I say, Jesus, if you read all the stories in the Bible of him doing stuff, it's stories, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you think about it, even the greatest CEOs have the greatest story behind them. If you think about people like Tyler Perry, the fact that he lived in a car, right? And so does Steve Harvey, right? Mm -hmm. We can go on and on. It's the story that people follow. So when you're on stage or when you're on, listen, you can be a stage as a comedian or a CEO of a business. Regardless of what that stage is, whether it's a platform, a ballroom, a classroom, a, a boutique, whatever that is, mm-hmm. it's the story people remember. Uh, Maya Angelou said, "People forget what you did, they'll forget what you um, said, but they'll always remember how you made them feel." It's mm-hmm. the story that connects people heart to heart, soul to soul.
3: Oh my goodness! I'm just, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm gonna turn. Home. Well, if I get sick, <laughs> I'm gonna say, "Can you let N R J fill in for me?"
6: And I love it that you're calling me NRJ because my my close friends call me that. And as soon as we got on the line, you said NRJ. I just fell out laughing, like you know, this brother knows me already. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, that's my gift. Uh,
3: you know, that you know, it's always funny. Is that uh, Steve Harvey used to always get annoyed. I just walk in the room and he just go, and I tell him by different people go, you ain't even met that person. I go, I don't need to. Uh, right. I, I just have a. I just have a sense of people. You know, I have a sense yeah. of who are wasting my time and who's going to. Even if they're wasting my time, at least I know in conversation the extent of this conversation. Okay.
5: Exactly, because you need exactly. to talk to
3: everybody. I, I never stopped talking to anybody just because I devalue what they was going to bring to the table because I thought that in having a conversation, i educated myself and I understand understood some things about myself and I comprehended my ability to be successful. Now right. your ability to be successful right now though, Nicole, is that you're willing to share and uplift. Why mm-hmm. is that so mm-hmm. important in the, in the entrepreneurial space?
6: Mm. So I told you the story of, of me coming to that crossover where I knew there was more for me to do. So to make a long story short, uh, and I have to tell you this story so you understand, since I just talked about storytelling, but I just want you to understand the context of why I'm so passionate about it. Mm-hmm. So when I left in 1993 to start my business, really what happened is one of my good girlfriends invited me to volunteer at a program that was happening at our church. And one night as I walked in that church, and those of you that are familiar with the lock-in at a church where they lock the kids in and they do activities, in other words, it's a sleepover. It just is lock-in because, you know, I don't know why they... Lock-in sounds bad now, but back then it sounded good. Anyway, um, and so when I started working with young women that night, as I worked with them, their eyes lit up. And as their eyes lit up, my heart lit up. And I realized, oh my God, this is what I'm meant to do. Really helping them figure out uh, and carving out a path for their future. But this wasn't glamorous, like my nine to five, right? Nobody was banging down any door to do this work. Now, again, this was in 1993. There was no such thing as a coach, but that's what I was doing that night. And so I realized I had to figure this thing out. So in 1993, I started my business. So some 17 years later, by 2010, I had gotten to the exact place I dreamed of when I started. So by then I had a nonprofit and a for-profit in my business. In my nonprofit, I had 10 chapters in 10 states working with those teenage girls, and we were growing by leaps and bounds. In my for-profit, I had a max out coaching client roster, meaning I couldn't take another client coaching women and a few gentlemen, uh, really helping them understand how to bankroll their brilliance, right? But in, And because I couldn't take another client, I wrote my first book that came out in 2010. Now, I'm telling you guys all of that because what happened is I started getting invitations to speak all over the country. And so I I was thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, I've made it. But here's the thing. I was only generating $13,000 in my business. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Which means I had a big fat, uh, you know, community service because there's no way I was living off of $13,000. So, yes, I had a daytime job, right, which I was an adjunct professor at the time. So, I'm telling you that story because I had gotten to a crossroad. And I said, listen, and I prayed, Lord, if this is really you and this is what I'm meant to do, you better show me something. (laughs) You better help me figure this out. And so I got on this free webinar um, one night and I didn't track, you know, how far that was from my prayer because I didn't realize this was my breakthrough. On that free webinar, invited me to go to a conference. When I got to that conference, I started seeing all the stuff I didn't know. At that conference, I hired my first coach. So I'm telling you all of that because in my first coaching session, my coach said to me, Nicole, wait a minute. So you used to work in talent development. In, in the entertainment industry. And then you left there and you went and got a master's degree and your expertise is program development. So you're really great at developing programs so much so that you got offered an adjunct professor position at USC. And now that you moved to Boston, you teach at Boston university and what you teach is program development. And I'm thinking, yeah, look at my coach knowing me. And then she said, before you moved from California, you had a consulting practice. And what you did was you went into businesses, you work with celebrities, you work with heads of state, you work with uh, nonprofits and you develop programs. And I said, yeah. And then the next thing she said, Rashawn, was what shifted everything for me. She said, you don't have any programs in your own business. There you go. So here's the thing. You
3: charge what you don't have written down.
6: But not only that, you can't only, listen, if you only have in your business ways to generate revenue where you have to be present, you're already capping off how much money you can make. Mm -hmm. Because if you only have eight hours in a day, first of all, you're not going to work all eight hours on clients, whether it's coaching, consulting, whatever Mm -hmm. it is you're doing, right? That's called
3: Working Wealthy.
6: Right. And so you've got to be able to do what I learned in that moment called making money while you sleep. And it's not just who I'm going to go develop an online program. You've got to get clear on four things. I'm going to tell you these four things, but let me t- I tell you the four things, right? Because I can keep talking. I'm a hush, I promise.
3: Now, you not going to uh, hush because guess what? You, I, 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 I just drop a little nugget in between working wealthy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> mailbox here's money. The thing. You know, mailbox money. I got, I got the- all the terms now like, because guess what? <laughs> you and I think alike. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're listening to Money Making Conversations with Rashawn McDonald. We'll be right back. Cars today are like a computer on wheels, but you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need CarShield. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a cover repair, including computers, GPS, electronics and more. CarShield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable and and as low as $99 a month. No long term contracts or commitment. Plus, you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and Car takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24 7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. Car is America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands. Call 1 800 Car 6000 and mention code MONEY, M O N E Y, or visit carshield.com and use code MONEY. M-O-N-E-Y, to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code money. A deductible may apply. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. The, the, the thing I, I appreciate about the whole situation is that when we go through life trying to figure out and people start calling, it's defining how much is our value. Is it five thousand, ten thousand, is it a thousand? And sometimes it's easy to go, okay, I'll be there, I'll be uh, okay. Thank you for, and so right. you have to eventually find your value, and then and, and then exactly. build off of it. And that's what we're mm-hmm. talking. That's the part we're about to go right now. That's why I'm going. Like mm-hmm. I've been, there. I've been here, I've been here. Mm-hmm. I'm the worst person to manage myself. I hate the fact that I, you know, that that, that I negotiate stuff because sometimes I do. That's why I got good friends. Go, man. You better go tell that dude to take a hike. That's that's under your value. Okay, thank you, ma'am. Because we always,
6: we always, we don't value our intellectual property because we don't do what we do to us. Yes. So there are things that are intrinsic to your DNA, which I call your distinct natural ability, that you do on autopilot. Mm -hmm. So you'll say things like, and if you haven't said it, I know I have. Oh, doesn't everybody know how to do this? Or, oh, this is easy. Well, yes, easy for you. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yes, As and, a, and that's why sometimes you can get undervalued saying that. And yes. I've, I've, I've done that and I've caught myself, but it's even more so the truth when you try to do it for yourself. You realize how difficult exactly. it is. It's easy, like I was telling you. I, I should know Steve Harvey's blood pressure. What he ate for breakfast. What he ate for dinner. What he didn't like. What <laughs> if he liked cornbread? If he like right. what, what city he liked to do in uh, Miami. What he liked to do in New York. I knew all that, but mm-hmm. when I stopped managing him in 2016, I can tell you none of those things for Rashawn. Right. And so it was important. And it was that
6: easier I- probably for you to manage him Absolutely. than it was for you to manage. And, and it's not necessarily a managed thing. But here's the thing you begin to feel like and I don't know about you. So I'm going to say me, you know, you feel like you are bragging about yourself or, oh, well, how can I feel that about me? But it's like, no, I'm clearing who I am and I'm making an invitation. I'm not selling you. I'm making an invitation because I know the predictable result I can get you to if you're willing to do the work. But there's a difference between you saying that about someone else and you beginning to say that about you. It's like you have to shift your muscle from not pride, but really being unapologetically who you are.
3: Mm-hmm. And you know it's really interesting because you, that's why you have to have people around you. OK. Yeah. And yeah. And sometimes my, my staff there tell me, OK, Rashawn, uh, you, you want a couple of Emmys. huh? You want some? Uh, you want some? <laughs> did you forget uh, uh, who you, you mean, are? Right? <laughs> you, you know, you know, because you, uh, you know, that's what you talk about bragging on yourself. They remind mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. I have a math degree. They remind me that you right. know, I was an award-winning stand-up comic. They remind me that mm-hmm. I'm an award-winning baker. They remind me I managed because this. listen, because you're
6: not focused on who you were, no, you're no. focused on who you have not yet become.
3: And that is so, and that is important. But you know, but the, the, but the, the I, important thing in this conversation we're having is that if you don't understand your base. What are you mm-hmm. building off of? And,
6: and can I just tell you the reason why I didn't make money in my business for 17 years is because I didn't understand my base. I didn't understand my brilliance. Damn. I didn't take the Damn. time to create a strategy around it.
3: Huh? Here, you know, you know, not the last. This is not the last time you're going to be on my show. You know that.
6: Right? <laughs> oh, I can that. talk so I can be on your show anytime <laughs> yeah. you want me on. And you can, will be. And you will talk. be. You will be. <laughs> I, I'm
3: just going to let you know that because because of the fact that you, we're talking the same lanes of conversation, male, yeah. female. And it's yeah, important yeah. that people understand that the value system works for both gender.
6: Yeah, it does. It's and just, so that, let me, if you don't mind, let me people,
3: tell as black people, we have not done that because we've not had no. the tools to, for that to be communicated to us. Now, now and not sure only is that, your, the floor is yours. Now. We
6: haven't had the, the family and the legacy that's commu- that's been able to communicate. Our legacy, dare I say, this is slavery. Doesn't yes. mean we haven't done something since then, but we've had to really pull ourselves up by our bootstrap. Mm-hmm. So, our family members that did go to college in the 1900s, right, had to fight for that. Mm-hmm. And so for many of us, it's taken generation after generation after generation for us to understand wealth, whereas some other cultures have it from the beginning. So I'm not downing what we've been through because we are strong people, but we've had to learn it in a different way. And listen, I'm from South Central LA. Let me keep it all the way real. If, if, those of you that saw Boys in the Hood, I grew up probably 10 blocks from where they filmed that movie. Mm-hmm. So listen, I grew up robbing Peter to pay Paul. So here I am now with a multiple six-figure business with a master's degree, you know, with eight people on my team working toward my million-dollar year, Mm -hmm. and, you know, when a neighborhood that I'm from would have to find my life by jail, drugs, and drive-by shootings, Mm -hmm. there's no way Mm -hmm. that I should be here where Mm -hmm. I am. There's Mm -hmm. no way I should live on the East Coast. There's no way, you know, I can continue, but all I can say is, but God. And then getting clear in who God created you to be and accepting nothing less, so with that, real quick, because I don't want to leave this dangling, is I want to tell people the four uh, piece or four step framework to what I call my fierce formula. And I call it fierce because just like Beyonce created Sasha Fierce when she went out on her solo career and had to stand on stage for the first time and had to, like, conjure up enough courage to do it. Many of us need to find the fierce inside of us. And so, fellas, if you can't say fierce, say ferocious. It's all good. This is for you, too. Right? So it's four steps. And these are the four steps that, by the way, I went from 13000 to 200000 in six months with these four steps. Okay? So first is passion. Like, what are you passionate about? This is why Rashawn and I could talk all day long because we both are passionate about bankrolling your brilliance. Right? So what could you do hour upon hour upon hour and never get paid for it? The second is what are you proficient in? Now, the first one and the second one have to correlate. You can't love it and be not good at it. That won't work. Or you can't be good at it and not love it. So, like, for instance, Michelle Obama talked about this in her book Becoming. She said, I was really great at being a lawyer, I you know, was offered a partner in a law firm, but I hated it. So you've got to find those two have to correlate, and those two are really your purpose, passion and proficiency. The third P is what problem does it solve, because it ain't about you. It's about all those that need that gift inside of you. And then, of course, the fourth P is profit. So once you get clear on all four of those, that is really the missing ingredient for many people that start businesses and really kept me from bankrolling my own brilliance.
3: Now, you also have... Five tips to bankroll your brain. Yes. Now that's the four P's, right? That's the four P's: no, passion. Four P's is different. The four P's. No, 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 tips, no. no. Right. Would well, you just be quiet? <laughs> let me just. I'm about to let everybody know. The four P's is passion, proficiency, problem solving, and process. Okay, yep. now you have five tips to bankroll your brilliance. See, I know you've <laughs> been—I know you've been interviewed with somebody like me, just prepared. So I'm prepared when I when I get on the phone with a person like you. I, I've done my homework. You know, I'm not going to sit around here. This is NRJ Enterprise, the premier training and talent development company dedicated to helping you bankroll your brilliance. Yes, I love it. I love it. I love it. So, yes. So, five tips to back for your Prince. First (laughs) of all,
6: we talked about, look, we've talked about this so much that if y'all don't get this lesson by now, stop giving away your intellectual property for free. Yes. You know, uh, oftentimes I'm on um, podcasts or interviews like this and they talk to me about a side hustle and I go, nope, I don't call it a side hustle. Because if you look up hustle in the dictionary, it has pimp and prostitute in the definition. And I'm not trying to have you pimp your gift. Hello. Right. But many of us are. Many of you that are listening are pipping your gift. When someone says to you, "Oh, can I run this past you? Oh, can I pick your brain?" You've given away your uh, intellectual property for free, or as Steve Harvey would say, "You've given away your cookie for free." Hello, right? Yes, thank
5: you. <laughs> Three million books <laughs> so later. Three million books huh? later. Mm-hmm.
6: Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the second one, once you get clear on what your intellectual property is, and again, that's the four P's that I walked you through, you've got to build your business with a blueprint. You can't just do whatever, whenever, however. You've got to have strategy. Just like they do when they have a house, when you build in a house, you, the, the, your, your construction folk will tell you to do a blueprint first. You've got to do the same thing in your business. And that blueprint should be built from your brilliance, your intellectual property. Want me to keep going through my five? Yes,
3: ma'am. I'll keep going. Gotta, <laughs> the third one is. Let tell you What you ain't gonna do is, I say five, you stop at two. Come on now. <laughs> as much as you are, are you out of shape? Are you, are you verbally I'm out of sure. shape am Look, Rashad, I can talk for the next five well, hours. I do I'm just making sure. Oh, i sure. Okay. Number one, <laughs> stop giving away your intellectual property for free. Number two, yep. build your business with a blueprint. What's number yep. three?
6: And number three is you got to move past marketing and begin to build your know, like, and trust factor. Mm -hmm. So let me tell you what I mean, right? Mm -hmm. So many people, you can buy the latest marketing program, right? You can buy the latest marketing. You can hire a marketing coach. If you're not clear on your brilliance, then what you're doing is you're becoming a cookie cutter. You're like becoming a separate wife in your business. And ain't nobody got time for that, right? So instead, I like to call it dating. You want to date, your ideal client in your business. So I like to use an example. When my husband and I went on our first date, if that brother would have brought my ring, to the first date I would have been calling my girlfriend like girl please come get me this man is crazy right but so many of us do that when we think oh I'm, a, I'm going I'm gonna put up my website and I'm gonna put up a sales page and people are just gonna buy uh we don't know you hello mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. they've got to start building ways for people to get to see the value that you bring to their life or their business and I call that dating even in your business you're dating your ideal clients that means some free things you're gonna give away some things for free before you put a ring on it which Thank means you. they pay you to hire you there you go <laughs> and a lot of people
3: don't understand that you don't mm-hmm. have to get paid for everything in achieving your goals.
6: Right, but you've got to let people see who you are. Just because yes. somebody hears me today doesn't mean, oh, I'm going to hire her. No, you might think, oh, is she real or does she really know what she's doing? So I've got to allow you to experience me in order. Same way, that's why you date. Because what if my husband was bringing his representative to the dates? At some point, I right. would have seen through the representative and said, mm-mm, mm-mm, brother, this mm-hmm. ain't right. Something is it's not right. Now, and number so that's four is the, it's so
3: key, right. though. You should have multiple mm-hmm. trees of income, and one share yes. should include money-making while, you, While sleep. you
6: sleep, yes, because at the end of the day, if you only are doing things where you have to be present, I said this earlier, you're already capping off how much money you make. So what I like to use it as an example is a, a couple of years ago, uh, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I'm usually pretty slow just because I like to travel. And so this particular year, I traveled more than I usually do between, again, Thanksgiving and Christmas. So I went to Rome, to Barcelona, to Dallas, to Denver and to Montego Bay, Jamaica and all of that in a month, and my business still generated $87,000, and I was not present. So you've gotta look at how can you take your intellectual property, how can you be the answer to the people that need you, and how do you package that so they can work with you, and it, whether it be online or some other way, where again, you're not present. Now and f- then last but not least, in order Be to willing to, do to these- step
3: outside your comfort zone.
6: Yes, because here's the thing. Comfort zones is where dreams go to die. And I say that because in order for you to do the thing that you really, really want, you're going to have to do it afraid. But mm-hmm. ask, listen, if we had Steve Harvey on here right now and he was living in his car, you think he loved living in his car? Heck to the mm-hmm. no, I'm sure Rashawn could tell us stories mm-hmm. from back then when Steve was living in his car or Tyler Perry or even, dare I say, Oprah, who left her 25 years of her phenomenal TV show to start a TV network. And most of us forget that that first year, it was the lowest rated television network out of all the networks, networks we've never even heard of. Yes. And yet. Oprah had to do it afraid sure she had a great tv show but she didn't know how to run a network with Mm -hmm. 24 7 programming Mm -hmm. and so what she had to be willing to do is risk it all to gain it all and that's the same thing you will have to do the same thing i had to do when i started my business is i had to risk it all to gain it all i had to be willing to be uncomfortable
3: that's really important that um you know i'm going to i'm opening my new office in october I'm mm-hmm. going to uh, have a build a podcast studio in my new location, and because mm-hmm. I want to do some video, okay, and mm-hmm. um, I want to do some some uh, some motivational videos with you. I just know I have yeah. to because of the yeah, fact I that uh, you know you're special and you unique. you recommended I should interview you, and mm. uh, I, I kind of knew you, but then they were they were really fatty, fact, You gotta, you gotta talk to her. <laughs> you know, you know, people start shaking their head and be staring at you. You kind of like. Are they are they gonna kill me if I say no? You know, <laughs> you we'll tell you. whoever that is, I <laughs> said thank you. <laughs> you, you. You gotta talk to her. You know, her. Right. they say her, huh, not her. Her, be hanging on her, huh. and so <laughs> and and you're just brilliant. And I just, I really want to thank you for coming on the show, Nicole roberts Jones and having R.J. Me. Enterprises mm-hmm. is a premier training and talent development company dedicated to helping you bankroll your brilliance. We're going to talk together. Talk again soon. You're fantastic. Yes. Uh, definitely, I uh, send you. me your. Tell them to send you your. your the contact information to me so we can see how to talk okay
6: sounds good
3: sounds uh, good I appreciate you stay safe okay okay thank you all right if you want to hear more money making conversation interviews please go to moneymakingconversation.com I'm Rashawn McDonald I'm your host